What's up, guys? Welcome to the Fresh of It podcast. We got Rolo fucking Tomasi. All right, all right. <laughs> In the house. Oh, man. Guys, this is going to be the most comprehensive podcast on intersexual dynamics you've ever seen. Let's get into it. Guys, welcome to Fresh Fit Podcast, man. Um, quick announcements, guys. Patreon.com slash Fresh Fit. We get find all the exclusive behind the scenes content where you guys see us kick people out and all the craziness. Also, get on our Fresh and Fit Clips uh, YouTube channel. We have 90% of the people that follow that, that watch it, aren't subscribed, guys. So please go subscribe Why to that not? channel. Why not? Why? Yeah. Sub to the channel. Yeah, sub to the channel, guys. It's very easy. Uh, and then on top of that, what else? Um, and then get on the DMs on demand waiting list, guys. Yes. July 1st. But July 1st, we, we released. Uh, yeah, we release it, but get on the waiting yeah. list. Link is below. Patreon.com slash Fresh Fit. But guys, today is mm. a very important topic. So It's a very good day. Yes, it today is. Today is a very good day. Man, <laughs> if there is one thing. I've heard since the explosion of our podcast, it's been, who hurt you? Where are these numbers from? You're a misogynist. I feel blah, like. Blah. I feel like. Shirts and stores, by the way, guys. Go yep. ahead and click the link below if you guys want to get the merch. I feel like. Um, and there is no person that I trust more and I respect than Rolo Tomasi to have mm. on this podcast to talk about this. Because a lot of these beliefs, guys, are rooted in empirical data and the reality is guys this just like rollo says all mm -hmm. the time we live in a fields before real society mm -hmm. and shout out to coach red pill we had a very good discussion about this a couple weeks ago and the thing is guys is that the truth is objective okay but your appreciation of the truth is relative and how you observe the truth is based on your life circumstances or whatever but mm -hmm. it does not necessarily change the fact that the truth is constant and it's objective but the problem is that we live in a world now where people think the truth is relative Right, And their feelings are objective. And that's not the way the world works. So today, we're going to give you guys an objective look at intersexual dynamics with the data. And we're going to cover several topics, okay? And this is going to be the most concise and best podcast that discusses intersexual dynamics with data. All the links are going to be below after the show. Timestamps, everything like that. So you're going to be able to show this to every single angry feminist that tries to claim that you're misogynist or whatever it is so after this show yeah. i don't want to hear no complaints about where's the facts <laughs> where's the truth yeah. where are they where's getting the data? Their data it's from. right here in this video yes. clip it what about send it everywhere to your friends because it's going to be right here in this video what and, about what and about? a lot of this data is located in yep. both of rollo tomasi's books uh yep. Yep. obviously the original one the rational male and then book four mm -hmm. uh with which deals with religion as religion. well religion uh yeah and and i think people get a little put off by the 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 title of it it's it's about religion but it's not about religion right mm -hmm. i mean it's it's about uh like you were just saying a minute ago it's like we live in a feels before reals world why mm -hmm. do why is that right it's because we make emotionalism and our romantic idealism our like highest order of like of authority right mm -hmm. we made i i said this the other day on um 
on my my own podcast is, and this is a chapter from uh, book four, is that we have made uh, love like love is our God now. Yeah, Not, it's it's no longer God is love; it's love is God. Yeah, right. And so if uh, if you uh, if you get married, you get married because you actually have uh, r- real romantic legitimate love, right? It's not the other way around. You don't, like love is a love is the the criteria for everything else. Like if, I'm sure you've heard this before. Like when um, when um, they passed like homosexual marriage in 2015, mm-hmm. love wins. Yeah, right? that's when if you hear that, that's when you know that that is like the highest ideal right there. And that's as a result of emotionalism. And it's exactly what you were just saying a minute ago. That's how you get like who hurt you, right? yep. because it's an appeal to emotion rather than an appeal to reason. Yep. Today we're going to talk about reason. Yeah, we're going to talk absolutely. about reason and rationale. The rational. So man. guys, <laughs> this is going to be the outline. Okay, we're going to define feminism. Then we're going to talk about the beginning, how men started versus how women started as, you know, hunter gatherers, you know, the evolution of it, uh, the sexual revolution in the 1960s and first wave feminism, feminism in school, psychology in a gynosexual society, women entering the workforce in the wage gap, do careers make women happy, female consumerism and debt, male sexual strategy versus female sexual strategy, how promiscuity affects women versus men, the myth of equality, power couples and equal partnerships with women. Abortion statistics, which I've argued many times, mm. uh, single fathers versus single mothers, and where do we go from here? So let's start with first sure. defining feminism. Oh, mm. boy. Okay. So um, you have to go back to the foggy days of 1848 mm-hmm. in the United States here in Seneca Falls, New York. And this was where they had the – what was really the first convention. It was only 300 people at this convention. And um, I, I can't remember the actual name of the convention itself, but in Seneca Falls – I think it was – maybe it was called the Seneca Falls Convention. Mm-hmm. And it's where the suffragettes, what would become the suffragettes, got together and says, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we want and when do we want it now? You know. And remember, there was uh, – I, th- I believe it was – Something like 200 men and only 100 women were at this thing. Mm. And uh, at, that, at that convention in 1848, um, they got together and decided they were going to uh, create what was called a list of uh, grievances and something else. I can't remember the actual title of it itself. But anyway, so when people ask me like, well, what about, what about feminism? What about feminism? Now, you guys were talking about this just recently, and I actually talked about this about a month ago because I was picking apart uh, Candace Owens when she was talking about feminism. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did a deep dive into it um, on my own channel, like I said, almost about a month ago. And when we think of feminism, we think of Lena Dunham, right? We think of the purple hair, fuchsia hair girl, the girl with the armpit hairs, right? Or, or you know, uh, the girl who's carrying, what is it, a mattress girl, you know, carrying her, you know, for, you know, for sexual harassment and that kind of stuff. So yeah. when we think of feminism, we tend to think of feminists as being um, like liberal, progressive leftists right now. And for the most part, that, that is actually true. But what my argument has always been is that everyone you know, everyone in this room right now, if you were born after, say, 1964 or so, mm-hmm. um, you have had feminism in some way influence the way that you think. And the reason why we're here collected talking about this kind of stuff is because somewhere along the line, we had a um, an ideal planted into our head. Whether we agreed with it or not is irrelevant. The reason why we think the way we do about intersexual dynamics or we think that they that our idealized way of how men and women ought to get together, like uh, equal partnerships or egalitarian relationships, all of that goes back to the ostensibly the goals of feminism. And so when every time the girls come on here for the after hours show, it's always, well, I think we ought to be equal and stuff. What I want to know is where did those girls get that idea? 
where did you get the idea that it was good for you to be like men and women should be 50 50 and we should have an egalitarian relationship and everything will be good. And we know for a fact that when there is a dominant and there is a sub in a human relationship, and I don't care if it's heterosexual or homosexual, there's always a top, there's always a bottom, there's always a dom, there's always a sub. In it, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a, a, an interpersonal relationship, whether even when you have to have a, a hierarchy of responsibility um, in the military, in uh, in business, you know, you have a supervisor and everything else. There's always a dominant personality, and there's also always a quote unquote submissive personality as well. That's how human relationships work. They are not egalitarian. And so that has been ostensibly the purpose of feminism for a very long time. And so you get down to the idea of what is equality and what is not equality. When women back in the 1848, when they were doing the, uh, they're coming up with the list of grievances and everything, feminism back then is really the same feminism that we have today. So when I when people ask me about, well, what do you think about third wave feminism? What do you think about second wave feminism? What do you think about first wave feminism? There are no waves of feminism. It is the same movement that has been since 1848. The, the mm, only difference mm, is this. Okay. People want to say that there are, that first wave feminism. Well, didn't they? Because I always looked at a first wave, second wave, third wave. Well, that's because it's a, in, from a historical perspective, that's how usually people look at it. But when we refer to it as, well, second wave feminism or militant feminism, that's bad. But first wave feminism was good. Well, why? Why would you think that? Do you have an, any understanding of the history of the suffragettes? Do you have any understanding of the history of feminism? Okay. Back in the day, back in like the, the mid 1800s, all the way up to 1920, when they ratified the 19th Amendment, the suffragettes were seen as terrorists. They were bombing churches. They were planning political assassinations. They were very uh, – they're very white supremacists back then. Um, and on I mean there's so much that was going on with that movement that if we were to take those women today and put them in today's society, they'd be part of Antifa right now. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't think twice about like associating them with them. So when people tell me, oh, those are the good feminists and these are the bad feminists, it's like, no, there is only feminists. It has only ever been a supremacism movement and it is a gender supremacism movement. Feminism is a unbalanced way of organizing society. Patriarchy, on the other hand, and people are going to disagree with me on this, patriarchy is a balanced system, okay? Because for men to be in control of society, for men to be in control of the family, for men to be in any way uh, have social authority, they also – that also ideally came with responsibility along with that. So if you were going to be a patriarch, you still had the responsibility to your family and you still had to pay for your kids. You still had to pay for your wife. You still had to take responsibility for all the things that were going on in your family. But you had the authority to exercise those responsibilities back then. Now, under feminism, we have removed all of that. We have removed the authority and left 100 percent responsibility. And you talk about this all the time when I hear you on the, with the girls here. So when we're talking about feminism, it's very important to go back in time and look at the historical roots of feminism back then and to where we are right now and to see how it has sort of – I say undermined but is endemic of our gynocentric social order today. And that's really the, the point I'm trying to make here is that we get to a gynocracy, a gynocentric social order through feminism, through that what, almost – Hundred and almost hundred years now. Because yeah. uh, if you if you if you went back and said, okay, well, we'll start it at nineteen twenty when they got the right to vote. It's been a hundred and one years. Yeah. Now. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so um so that is the definition. So let's talk about the beginning as far as uh, men and women uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, as far mm -hmm. as being hunter gatherers. Uh, you know mm -hmm. w how this started with you know just basically how men and women view each other. 
Okay, so you have to rewind the again. You got to rewind the tape one more time here. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like it when I do this. Uh, in the very introduction of religion, uh, I have to use the Evo word, evolution. And mm-hmm. every time you put Evo in front of something, people I, your, people turn their ears off. Right? Yeah. They don't want to hear it because they think that because it's a binary response. It's a, it's either black or it's white. It's it's uh, creationism or it's evolution. You're you're an evolutionist. You believe in evolution. It's like no, it's not a belief. It's a set of it's a, it's a, a predictive framework is really what it comes down to. Is this likely to happen? Are these the, is this what, knowing what we know about a certain dynamic? Is there can we make predictions based on what it is that we know? Okay, mm-hmm. so that's number one. I have to get that out of the way because people would, like whenever you say evolution, okay, well he's not right he's off. not a Christian, he's not a Muslim, he's not a Jew, he doesn't believe in God. He and it's like no, I, I read this book mm-hmm. right here and you'll understand exactly yeah. how wrong you are. Yeah, but um, so that's number one. I have to throw that out as a caveat first. So let's go back in time. Human beings evolved over the course of many, many millennia. So mm-hmm. if you go back to our hunter-gatherer roots, there's when we were living in tribal tribal organizations, right, for whatever, you know, lack of a better term, living in tribes, uh, and we were in, had a nomadic existence. Um, then we moved to herding. Then we moved to agriculture. I understand the history of it. People are going to say, well, he doesn't understand the history. Um, so we're looking at hunter-gatherer tribes. In those hunter-gatherer tribes, you have a, uh, a set of roles for each uh, each sex. Mm-hmm. So you've got the men who are physically built for combat. Yes. Uh, I've got stats for that as the well. Facial yeah, facial structure, uh, upper, upper body strength. Um, just the, I mean, the list runs on and on. We have, we have bone density is another one. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, and then uh, higher oxygen content was another one. Testosterone, uh, testosterone uh, more l- levels of aggression. All of these things that women want to say, that's toxic masculinity. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Men were built for combat and yeah. they still, I mean, we say, well, you're, you don't look like you're built for combat. Yeah. It's like, well, no, not here, not in 2021, but like, like way back when we were living in the sub-Saharan African savannas, way back when we were living in hunter-gatherer tribes, yes, they mm-hmm. were, and that was an intertribal warfare was a was a fact of life. So the the hunters and the warriors were the men of that of the that era, and mm-hmm. then the women were the berry pickers, right? They and were just the, so the people know gatherers. real quick, we have a bunch of studies in the back that Chris may pull up whenever uh, Roland needs to refer to something. So if Roland says, "Hey, Chris, pull that up," just give us a second. He's going to pull it up and show it to you guys because we came prepared for this one. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. And guys, yeah. uh, Super Chats would not be read during the show uh, to keep up with the, with the pacing timing. Yeah. I'll we, show them. Yeah, we, got to to we, we got a lot to cover. We got a lot to cover. Lot of guys, guys, to cover. But uh, thank you so much for the Super Chats. We're going to put all of them on screen. And uh, we're gonna we'll shout out the super chatters uh, at the end as many of them as we can. Yeah, we want to make sure we get through this, guys, because it's a lot of stuff to cover. Enjoy um, all the gems here, guys. Yeah, enjoy mm-hmm. the gems and just listen up, guys. Get that notepad out. Like I said, this is gonna be the most factually based mm-hmm. conversation on intersexual dynamics that's ever been put on the internet. We did our homework today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, so Chris might have to pull up studies for us, guys. So roll, just let him know when you want. Sure, sure. But sure sorry, sure. go ahead. No, so no, going no, back okay, to so men and women being evolved. So for combat. evolving for combat, evolving for the uh, hunters and the gatherers. Okay, so women tend to be the nurturers. The gatherers they and the reason for that primarily is because women are the vulnerable sex yes okay when whenever we talk about oh women are the weaker sex women are the sex a lot of women when they hear that they lose their minds because mm-hmm. they think well i can kick any guy's butt so have you seen how weak these guys are around i it does i can pull the trigger as well as anybody else right well you're thinking in in 20 20 20th 21st century terms yeah. okay yeah. got it we're talking about way back in the day because we are still the same machines that we were back then and now, have we progressed from there? Have our brains? Yeah, of course we have. But like we still are uh, beholden, let's just say, to a lot of the same biological truths and factors that were that our ancestors did. So you go back 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 400 years, 
keep going. How, how far back do you want to go? You can keep going back 2,000, 3,000, back, back by millennia. You're still talking about the same basic human machine that's been going on for a long time. So when we talk about like hormones, we talk about testosterone, we talk about all these differences. We, are, well, we like to talk about like how men and women are different. I say this all the time. Yeah. Men and women are different. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's not. And we are. And so I, when I say that, I have to point this out is that we are more different than we are alike. And I, and I know people hate it when I say that because they go, well, you know, intelligence, this intelligence, that. Yeah, that's true. But those, those gender differences begin in the womb and even at the microscopic level, even at the cellular level, there's differences when you have a, a, a female's zygote and you've got a, a male zygote when you've got those two like you know those clumps of flesh as everybody wants to you know clumps of cells right that's where the, those sex differences are taking place right then and there and uh another great book and i didn't give this as one of the links or anything but another great book if you want to read the, uh, read about stuff like this uh dr stephen pinker's uh the blank slate the modern denial of human nature is a great biology biologically speaking sociologically speaking psychologically speaking neurologically speaking has done his homework really mm. well say what you want to about dr stephen pinker whatever i don't care he's he did a lot of good work when it comes to that book. So, um, so you have that. So you've got the hunter-gatherer societies uh, way back in the day, mm -hmm. and we are still sort of dealing with intersexual dynamics in the 21st century that were unique to the machine of way back in the day. So, mm -hmm. yes, societies have changed. Agriculture changed a lot of stuff too, but the, bio, the biology is still there. So women still bear the greater investment cost of pregnancy. That's what makes you the most vulnerable sex. Damn. Not because you're not G.I. Jane, not because you can't hold a machine gun and use a flamethrower or whatever, okay? <laughs> it's because it takes nine months for you to gestate a child. And in the back in back in the day, that could have been a death sentence back then. Yeah. If you pick the wrong guy, even if you pick the right guy, it could have been a death sentence back then. And so that's why women are the choosier sex. They bear the higher investment cost when it comes to pregnancy because they are the most vulnerable sex. So think about it this way. It takes nine months to have a kid, takes what how many years to raise that child from coming out of the womb to self-sufficiency? Seven years? maybe eight years, somewhere yeah. around there. And it takes yeah. a village to raise a child, right? Yeah. We need the community to help. We need the father to help. We need investments in those children to ensure the survival of the species. Which is how polygamy existed for so it long. It used to. To yeah. raise it, children. It, yes, it used to be. A, that's That used to be how it was done. There was, mm -hmm. Marriage, by the way, wasn't just a, a contract. It wasn't even so much a ceremony. It was just that that's my woman. I had a kid with her. Then that's the one that I'm with. That's yeah. the one I'm invested in right now. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk about... Um, Men and women being different. We say, oh, you're the weaker sex. This, I'm, I, I, you will always, you'll never hear me call women the weaker sex. I always say they are the vulnerable sex. Mm. And as or so, what do you need? If you, have a, if you have one member of the sex that is the most vulnerable of the two, what do you need to balance that out? You need strong, dominant, violent men who can protect that woman and be parentally invested in that woman and provide for that woman. And that's why when we talk about high value men today, we're still really referring to the needs and the psychological needs and the instinctual needs like the brainstem lizard brain needs of women back in millennia ago on the sub-Saharan African savannas back then because that's what they're looking for. That's why they want – that's why they're sexually attracted to a guy who's built, a guy who's dominant, a guy who's taller than they are, mm -hmm. a guy who yeah. has uh, a, you know, a good jawline because it shows that he's got you know, higher testosterone content. There's all kinds of physical cues. Now, you can argue with me about the science. You can argue with me about Darwin. You can argue with me about whatever. But what you're not going to argue about on this show every time these girls come in here is exactly what they want every time they come in here reflects 
back to exactly what I've been talking about from our evolutionary past. That's why it is important to understand those things. And even if it's not 100% per, you know, percent provenly true, right, where you're saying it's just so rational, backwards rationalization or whatever, it still provides a predictive framework. And you know what? That predictive framework works right here on this show every okay, probably in another couple of hours <laughs> and you'll, bang, bang. you will see you I guarantee, okay here's here's my guarantee all the stuff that we talk about today when you bring the girls in later on tonight you will see all these girls when they give you the answers to all the questions and they start getting into it back and forth and everything you will see exactly what i'm talking about if you pay attention to this show right now <laughs> yeah bang bang yes, all right so we're gonna go to so for those of you guys that are just joining it's a fax machine already uh we covered the definition <laughs> of feminism number two the beginning of how men started versus women is hunter gatherers we just discussed that now we're going to move on to the sexual revolution of the 1960s and first wave feminism, which uh, Rolo, you were saying did, did not exist. It was just feminism. Well, first right? wave, first wave feminism is the suffragettes, right? It's it's okay. uh, we want the right to vote. We want the 19th Amendment. That's mm -hmm. the supposed, you know, quote unquote, the good feminism, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Remember also, and I think a lot of people uh, lose the narrative on this as well, is that historically speaking, remember it was men that gave women the right to vote, and it was, <laughs> and in fact, it was one man. One guy that gave him the right to vote, mm -hmm. and no, not that one yet. Um, <laughs> but but do have that on yeah, tap. We're yeah. going to get to that today. We have a bunch of stuff ready for you guys. Yeah. So go ahead, um, continue rolling. So um, so and I'll just, oh, a brief history lesson. Uh, August eighteenth, nineteen twenty. I believe it was a senator from Tennessee, and I can't remember the guy, the kid's name because he was like twenty two years old. Oh, shit. And he was anti. So he was anti vote. Right. He didn't want to give women the right to vote. Mm -hmm. And his mother sent him some sort of letter because she was like, yay, go give women the right to vote, right? Gave him some little letter that says, you know, do the right thing, sonny boy, and, and, and vote, for, vote for, you know, for votes, votes for women kind of thing. And he changed his mind because he was a mama's boy. <laughs> and so it took one blue pill beta to create to to ratify the 19th wow, amendment go. go look at the history man every 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 august 18th i bring that up and people yeah. go what are you talking about and and, and it's true it took one beta male to to ratify the 19th amendment wow okay Jeez. and that was the deciding vote they were deadlocked except for him hey, wow. that, that goes to show man it starts with men yeah. and it ends with men exactly yes yeah exactly. so anyway so that's the that's the first wave that we like to say is the good wave of feminism and uh -huh. now we have like the creepy weird wave of feminism and they hate men it's like no that it's it's always been about putting women into a position of power. It's always been where we're at right now is what feminism has always been about. It is a gynocentric social order. And we, technically we were there since 1965. So you asked me about 1965 and yeah. the, the sexual revolution. Uh, in every book, not just the fourth book, I covered quite a bit in the fourth, but in every book that I've written about, I always peg the changes that we deal with today mm -hmm. uh, in modern society or the girls that you're dealing with today, yeah. they were created in 1965. Yes, and I agree. And with one... Invention, and that was hormonal birth control. Bang, bang. Never in human history has there been a more radical, radically changing uh, event uh, invention. I would argue, and I've said this before, I would argue that hormonal birth control, the pill, was more societally changing, world changing, humanity changing than the atomic bomb. Because oh, the wow. atomic bomb, you blow everybody up and we're all dead. Yeah. The, the hormonal birth control changed the way that men and women interact with each other. Mm. And so you got casual sex. Like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm in my 50s, right? So I've never known a time where there wasn't like, hey, Studio 54, let's all, you know, key parties, let's swingers, you know? Yeah. And it was like free, you know, casual sex. I'm growing, as you can tell, I grew up, grew up in the 80s, right? Yeah. And, and so there's always this, and we're talking about this, like you talk about this all the time on the show. It's like um, 
should a man be able to cheat on on a, on a woman, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. um, those kind of conversations prior to 1965 were probably not something that a lot of people talked about. Yeah. And hypergamy, which we talk about all the time, certainly yeah. in the red pill, that was not something that was brought up back then. That was not something like that women's sexual strategies versus men's sexual strategies were not something that was talked about because it was it was kind of like the unwritten law. And don't worry, guys, we will get into that. Well, I know yeah, you guys are like, my yeah. hypergamy, male sexual strategy. Yeah. We will talk well, about yeah, that. Yeah, don't yeah, worry. we'll get to that. But uh, more, more to the point, 1965 is when hormonal birth control was really coming into its own. And as a result of that, you got the sexual revolution. You got the uh, the free love movement. You got the hippies and Woodstock and 19th yep. Summer of Love, right? And then you- Psychedelics, from, all that. From there, you got, uh, you know, disco, let's have Studio 54. And, and then you got AIDS in, in, uh, in the 80s. Uh, if you go and you look at the rise in – like abortion was ratified in uh, – like uh, was it 1974 was Roe v. Wade? I, bl- I believe it was yes. 1974. Um, so from that point, from, from 1965, you see all of these – all of the stats for everything we, we're going to talk about today, like marriage rates, for instance, today are at the lowest they've ever been since they started recording them. 1973. 73. Yeah. It's almost Roe v. Wade. Almost, yeah, yeah, almost yeah, right on. There, right I was almost on. Um, so – when we talk about the the marriage rates are in the toilet right now, okay, it's been on a sharp decline ever since when? 1965. Mm. Right, guys, we will talk about marriage too. Don't worry. Rise in divorce. It spiked right after 1965, and then it kind of decreased, and now it's at the lowest it's ever been because marriage is at the lowest it's ever been. Nobody getting married. Nobody's having divorces either, or fewer people are having divorces anyways. Uh, child support laws, Duluth model of feminism, uh, and Title IX uh, programs, all of these special dispensations that you see being sort of um, worked into into the societal fabric when it comes to what I've called empowerment, empowering women kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, all of that started right around the end of the 60s, maybe into the early 70s, depending on what we're talking about. No-fault divorce. There's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at where all of those spikes either drop off or they go up, it all goes back to one event in 1965. And what – what could that event possibly? What it is? What could that possibly? A Scooby Doo? It's a Scooby Doo mystery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. And so when you look at that, what we've done is we've said, okay, men, women, you can now have sex without the worry of pregnancy now, Bam. and that changes the dynamic because prior to that, you had men, women were choosing men based on different criteria. Mm. They're they're choosing men based on their ability to provide, their ability to to keep a family, the, uh, loyalty, dependability, all of the things that we still like guys who still rely on that old order way of thinking, well, I'm going to get a job. I've got a good degree. I've got, I'm a good, I'm a good catch, right? I'm a good good prospect. All of those, that old order thinking all came right around, right up to about 1965. And then things started to change. Not immediately, but certainly over the course of 60 years. And that in, in, in terms of humanity, 60 years is a blink of an eye. Yeah. But, and that's how radical of a change it was to say, guess what humans Women are now in control of the reproductive process Damn, yeah. because it's only women that get to have the, the pill. Men, you can still wrap the rascal if you want. That's the only option you have. But women are unilaterally in control of the birthing process, in control of the of the reproductive process. Yeah. Now, people are going to say, well, you can just keep your dick in your pants, right? Well, yeah, you can. But once the sperm leaves your body, you are effectively powerless at that point. Legally, socially, um, you, you know, personally, you are effectively yep. powerless once that's once it's out of your hands there. Exactly. And so women are the only ones who get to decide whether a fetus lives or dies. Women are the only ones who are the ones who are primarily responsible for hormonal birth control. And it's not saying I'm not trying to absolve responsibility of men. I'm just saying that the lion's share, like like a lot of the responsibility for the reproductive process is based on women's choices and women's selectivity now. So what we've done is we've effectively taken men's 
sexual strategy as the primary sexual strategy for humanity. And we said, you know what? Put that on hold. We're going to make women's sexual strategy the number one thing that's going to define society, which is hypergamy, right? Mm. Alpha fucks, beta bucks. Bam. Yeah. And guys, real quick. We, we just, just hit. hit quarter million subscribers. Thank you guys so much. Because I'll tell you guys this. Last time Rolo was here, we hit 20K. And I want to say this real quick. Please <laughs> open another tab. Search Rolo Tomasi on your YouTube browser. Subscribe to him. Right now. Get him to 100,000 subscribers, I'm right guys. Now. I'm 1,300 away. So, yes. this is 100, so literally, if half of you guys do us a solid, show. okay, <laughs> open up another tab. Rolo Tomasi, R-O-L-L-O, Tomasi, T-O-M-A-S-S-I, okay? Hit subscribe. Get him to 100,000, man, because we are going to give you guys... The, this is going to be the best podcast on intersexual dynamics ever. Guys, actually, all he needs is, is 900 more. Oh, is that right? So, guys, not? real talk, <laughs> I'm going to be watching right now. Go sub. Sub this channel. Do us that one favor, and we got That's you. That's all we ask, man. Look, I don't even care if you like this video right now. Go subscribe to Roll Tomasi. Real talk, the gems you got from this alone, it was valuable, right? Imagine all you can get on his channel. Crazy. Priceless. Yeah, you guys got to a quarter million. That's great. Yeah. There you go. I remember, remember when I was here in, in March, and I told you, said, by the time I leave at Friday, on Friday, you're going to be at 50,000. Yeah. And you were. I was like, man, maybe. But yeah. he was right, uh, man. Yeah. He was right. Yeah. And so. you got to start 20,000 as well with, with Hotep, man. So, yep. guys, please subscribe to Roll Tomasi. Let us pay it back to, to the Godfather oh. himself. It went up. All you need now is 700 more. All right. Guys, right, let's do it. do it, man. Let's please, do it, man. Please. Get up to 100,000 during Come the on, stream, guys. Come on, guys. Let's do it. Let's do okay? it. We got 5,000 live viewers, guys. So. Like the video and go subscribe to Roll Tomasi Shout first. Shout out to all the new members as well. Let's keep it rolling. Okay, so we defined feminism. For those that are just joining us, we defined feminism. Then we talked about the beginning, how men started versus women as a hunter-gatherers from an evolution standpoint. Third, we talked about the sexual revolution and first wave feminism to include the critical invention of birth control. Now we're going to talk about feminism in school, psychology, and a gynocentric society. Because obviously with birth control, it allowed women to, I guess, uh, they're... Bio biological impedances were mm. slowed down from birth, birth, uh, giving birth. So can we talk mm. about that a little bit? Okay, so you've probably heard this before. Um, this was back in the glorious Steinem days of uh, quote-unquote third wave feminism. I like to refer to it as militant feminism because that's really when – like as soon as, as hormonal birth control became popular – that's when you saw the rise of what we now consider feminism as a thing, right? That's mm -hmm. when you got our bodies ourselves. That's when you got Gloria Steinem. That's when you got, uh, you know, what is it? A, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Mm -hmm. We hear that we to this day. You know where that came from? Like 1970, uh -huh. right? And, uh, and the feminine mystique, and I can't remember the name of the lady who wrote that. She, another feminist luminary, right? And so from that point on – you saw that the that the the power of hormonal birth control, the unilateral power that was in women's hands, was not lost on feminism at that point, right? That's when you got. That's when it was burn the bra, right? It was at the, about the same time as everybody was Betty Friedan. Betty Friedan, right? The feminine uh, mystique. mystique, yes. Betty Friedan and Gloria Steinem are like the two like luminaries of of feminism, seventies uh, militant feminism, anyways, mm -hmm. and. Um, and so you've got uh, you've got women burning their bras. You've got the Vietnam War protests, and mm. and you'll notice that whenever there's like civil unrest, that's when women start getting. That's when feminists start start agitating as well for themselves. So even like when we got Antifa today, you'll see women wear oh, wear a pink pussy hat and go yep. run, run around the streets. To be streaking naked, standing yeah. uh, standing yes. in front of the police officers naked, yeah. uh, bare naked on the street. That's because women. I'll just uh, as an aside, that's because women's only real true agency in this life is their sexuality. Bang. And that does that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that your first best 
agency, assuming you're hot, assuming you look good, is that you are, it's your sexuality gets men's attention. Yeah. So when women want attention and when women want you to pay attention to them and they are looking for you to hear what they're having to say, they have to be overt about their communications. The first reflexive thing they do is take off their clothes. Yeah. And we can see this over and over and over and over again. Now, if I were saying this in 1970, 1980, 1990, people would be like, ah, that guy's just crazy. But because we live in the age of social media, we see it every yeah. single day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we see it every day at every protest and, and, and the slightest. George Floyd protest. Free the nipple, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Portland, Oregon. Yeah, yeah, buck naked in front of a police line with, with exactly. riot shields, right? Exactly. Oh, I'll take my clothes off. Good idea. That's how <laughs> it's funny. Exactly. Attention is at an all-time high now because of social media. So exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. so, but, and I wanted to also point out that the reason why we're even having this conversation right now is because we live in an era where we can do this. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I have all these stats the reason why I've got all this stuff, the reason I was able to you know, cite sources like I did for book four is because of the internet. It's because we have access to this information and the layperson has access to this information like never before. That's one of the things that's really kind of changing society and un- our understanding of intersexual dynamics. When we complain about incels or MGTOW or this or that or, or when women say who hurt you and stuff, mm-hmm. they're, they're reacting because it's this old order way of thinking. But your, your opinions and your understanding of the, the, why this show is at 250,000 right now is because you have access to this and the guys who are watching you have access to this and women don't they, either they they have access to it too they just don't they tunnel vision right yeah. they just don't want to hear what you have to say because yeah. it's not in their best interest too yep absolutely so um so going to so school where, where and, we uh, yeah, oh, school, so, so special dispensations yeah. okay because um, now that feminism is here now women are, are starting to take careers more seriously right. go to school okay let's um let's let's just start with one because we have got to throw some stats up here uh chris there's there's a um give me the give me the choices real quick so i can th- throw this one up All there right yeah this was back in like i think time to turn that fax machine on so I you believe, want charts yeah give me charts um okay. i there it was the of all people it was <laughs> the american psychological association and uh, this was a tweet that I actually screen capped because I thought it was so it was kind of pertinent at the time. Uh, scroll up a little bit. Keep going. Uh, a little more. A little more. A little more. A little okay. more. Uh, pulling no, it up keep for you going. guys right now. Left and glass way. Um, keep going back. Yeah, go back. And it is. I, I'm sure I gave it to you. I thought I did. Uh, I don't see it here, but if we give uh, it that's okay. I'll, I'll. You know what? I'll just. I'll just read which, it. Which one is I'll it? Just, it's okay. I can. I can just read it to you really quickly. Okay. Good. Um, let's see. Ah, here it is. APA. Is uh, it one of the links? Uh, no, but uh, you know what? I'll just give it to you real quick. I'll just, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll push it up here for you. Real Guys, fast. in the meantime, like Ro- the video. Rolo needs only 300 more <laughs> subscribers. Oh, 300 more? Okay. Guys. Open a tab while we get favor. this for you. Like the video. Sub to our channel as well. But more importantly, go to his channel, Rolo Tomasi, Rock the Rational Meal. Sub to his channel. It's that last one I gave you. 300 away. It's, okay. Last one you just gave you, Chris. Pull the, one up, I just, the one I just gave you now. Okay. Guys, because without Rolo helping us, to some extent, you probably would never have found us. So yep. show love Seriously. back to him as well. Mm-hmm. Sub to his channel. Let us so, pay it back so I'll, to the I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it for you here. Yeah. The, the, the graph is important too. But, okay. Um, and this graph illustrates what, again, Rolo? All right. So this is the, this is, uh, the Amer- hey, that Perfect. That's what I want. Uh, American Psychological Association. This was from December 20th, uh, 2018. Okay. Okay. Uh, female grad students in psychology outnumber males by approximately three to one. Damn. And have done so for more than a decade. And then if you look at the stats below there, you can see what the, you can see each one of these things here is a gender percentages uh, in doctoral psychology programs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, health and, uh, health services and subfields, 78%. Um, clinical, uh, 78%. Uh, counseling, 74%. Uh, schooling, uh, 85%. Cognitive psychology. And these are the research fields here. 
54%. Developmental psychology, 82%. Uh, experimental, uh, 62. Industrial organizational, 62. Uh, neural, you, you can just see it goes on and on down the, down the list there, all the way down to social and applied other aspects. And I think that this is important here because um, I've, I've used this in the past is that you look at uh, a lot of people will say, well, what are the studies say? Like we're just that's the whole reason we wanted to do the show. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, where are your what's your data? Where's your where does that come? Where does from? this come from? Where does that come from? And I, I follow a lot of, as you might guess, a lot of evolutionary psychologists like God Saad. Um, there's a guy uh, was in uh, Rolf Dengen is a really good one as well. He, he kind of tracks this stuff. Um, and I forget the guy's name, but he had a, he has a really great book called the, the Ape That Understood the Universe or something. Okay. Lots of good lots of good data. With that, the Red Queen, by the way, by uh, Matt Ridley, really good read. Uh, Richard Dawkins, uh, I'm not a big fan of Dawkins, but I am a big Steve fan. Stuart of Williams, Steve Stewart Williams, they the universe. Yes, really good, really good um, factual, you know, data based stuff there. Um, so when I throw these things out there, I think it's important to remember that when we we're going to talk about the gender wage gap here in just a minute. So yep. mm -hmm. so when we're talking about the gender wage gap, and I think you had some girl on here that was giving you a lot of grief just like last week or the week before. Yep. Yeah, two weeks ago. So yeah. it's over half a million views right now. Yeah. And so she wants to know about And what's funny to me, remember I was just saying a second ago how like you have this data. You understand that the wage gap is nonsense. You do too. I'll, pretty much everybody. If you're playing the home game, you probably do as well. You probably understand this. Anyone common sense that looks at uh, that uh, has their own merit and st stats and looks at numbers mm -hmm. understands that it, the wage gap does not exist. Yeah. And if you go and you look at the data that has been researched by Dr. Stephen Pinker, by uh, Dr. Um, uh, Warren Farrell, uh, is a consummate statistician. Um, the myth of male power. Uh, he did the the boy crisis recently. He also did a book that uh, that a lot of people don't remember. It's called Why uh, Why Men Earn More. Mm. And if you go and you look at the choices that women make. Real quick, real quick, I want to say this. Before we get into the wage gap, can we talk about school real fast, about how women oh. have entered school, yes. which allowed yeah. them to get into careers exactly. in the first place, exactly. and then we'll go into the wage sure, gap Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and this is really, this is why I brought this, these stats up. Yes. <laughs> because women study certain things. They, oh, they, yes. they tend to gravitate towards certain fields, like the things that are more rewarding, right? Yeah. Yep. And where the women are, from the time they are five years old, they have a blue pill of their own, okay? Mm. And that blue pill says, you can do anything, you know, Sally, you can be an astronaut. You can be a neurosurgeon. You can, and I'm not saying that women shouldn't be able to do that. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be em emphasized to, you know, to be the best. I have a daughter. I would want her to live, uh, you know, for all the haters out a there. Good life, you do have a okay? daughter. Yeah. Yes, I don't want people to think, well, he just wants to repress women and send the, you know, what, you know, what is he, uh, you know, was this Boko Haram? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm just saying that from a very early age, uh, little girls are taught, are, are fed this kind of. Uh, this bill of goods that this is what you this is what you can have. And at the same time, we've got teachers that are mostly primarily 77 percent of teachers today are going to be female from the time you are uh, a preschooler all the way up until your postgraduate work. Yep. Uh, if you're, Chris, you could verify that you used to be a teacher, yeah. right? Yep. All yep. women, right? Facts. Okay. And I've got a I've got an infographic that's really good about that. We'll get to that here in a second because we're talking about education. But yeah. um, women go into education. They go into communications. They go yep. into psychology. Clearly, they go into psychology. Yep. Right. Um, they go into uh, HR. We, that's the the standard like cliche. You know, Karen and fr from HR says this. Yeah, because that's what she gets into. She gets into human resource management. Exactly. Um, and so women tend, and this is um, this is according to the sex differences studies done by Dr. Stephen Pinker once again. Men tend to be interested in things. Yes. Women tend to be interested in people. That's a biological fact. And they choose. And, and why? 
because we go all the way back to the to the savanna once again and we go back to our hunter-gatherer tribes and women had to develop a way of communication, be more sensitive to communication uh, amongst their peers, amongst the, the sort of the clutch of women that were the gatherers, the berry pickers and the nurturers and the, the women who are – it takes a village to raise a child, right? Yeah. Well, that – in, in, at least implies a predictive framework that says that women are going to be better at communication. And guess what? Studies prove that that they are better at they communication. Yeah. Than, they're better at nuances. They're better at reading subcommunications. They're better at reading vocal intonations. They're better at uh, reading your personal expressions, right? Yeah. I, I use this all the time. It's like, have you ever been like at the clubs or you've been with your girlfriends or you know, you're in a group, of mixed, a mixed group, and another girl walks in and maybe she's dressed in, she's the girl in the red dress, right? She walks in, she walks through the, nobody knows who she is and she walks out and then and the girls look at each other and they go, did you see that The dirty look that bitch just gave me? And yeah. you're like, and you were right there. Yeah, and, yeah. She, and that just happened. And she's just like, did you see that? Look, she just, you know, and they're like shooting daggers with her. And it's like, you were right there and you didn't see it happen, but they did. Yep. And that's the degree of sensitivity that they have to communication. And it's been shown in infants too. Yes. That, like, oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. That, the face that, studies, that, the facial studies. Face studies. Face studies. And, studies. And yes. Baby females versus baby males. They have more white matter in their brains. They're able to detect... Mm-hmm. Social cues. Well, it's far. the uh, it's the um, uh, and, and facial symmetry as yes. well. Um, and so women, have vocal intonations, subcommunications, uh, the way you the way you talk about something, the way you telegraph things. When we talk about like pickup artists and game and all that kind of stuff, yeah. a lot of times guys telegraph their insecurities to women. Yes. And that's because women are more sensitive and understand like communication cues that men – because men, we say what we mean and we mean what we say, right? Yeah. We're just like – we're blunt about stuff. We're information-driven, whereas women are feelings-driven when it comes to a conversation. So for men, it's about the content. It's about the information in that conversation. For women, it's the context. Yeah. How did that conversation make, make them feel? feel? Yeah. Okay. Which is funny because whenever, whenever you go on a date, right? She knows if she's going to smash her or not because she can tell but like, by how you make her feel on the date. If not, it's like, you know what? I'm off with this guy. I'm the heading vibes. Here. Right. Yeah. right. Yep. Or I'll, I'll say a fact and the girls will like, I just don't like the way you said it. Yeah. Right. Tone. They'll have, they'll have an issue one. with They'll have yep. an issue with it, 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 including Lonnie Love. When I said punish bad behavior, right? Shirts and stores. They, they're like, I didn't like the way he said it. I get what he's saying, but I didn't like it's the way the he truth, said it. It's the truth, but I don't like how he said it. Exactly. Right. So that's, there's and, proof and, right there. And, and, let me, and let me tell you something. I get that all the time. It's called, was it tone policing, tone monitoring, tone policing, I think is what it's called. And so and I do that all the time. Like people say, well, uh, whenever I have women who are critics of what it is that I'm saying, they'll say, well, you know, that's true. But she sounds so angry when you're telling me about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or <laughs> you, if you just changed your tone, then people would accept. It's like, no, they wouldn't because you, we live in a gynocentric social order. I am presenting facts that are unflattering to female nature. And it doesn't matter if I see them like this and just be, you know, it's okay. It's going to be all right. I can say them like that or I can say, hey, here's, here's the damn data right here. Yeah. You know, just, and then they're going to just be like, yeah, it, dare you? yeah. And it, <laughs> it doesn't matter because it's not the way you say it. It's the actual information you're conveying and they have no counter argument to it they have nothing else because they're not interested in finding anything else that's against that self-interest right mm-hmm. i get it i understand but it's like the feelings make them uh that that, that emotion like uh, prioritizing emotion before reason and that's a, a point that i wanted to get i got another graph for that today too but when we get to that point but uh instinct emotion and reason mm-hmm. and so when women choose 
careers that are more like face-to-face or more person-oriented, they, those are the ones that they find most rewarding. Yes. You don't see women working in construction. You don't see them primarily working in STEM fields unless they're forced into, into STEM fields. Yep. Um, the, the, the careers that women choose tend to be like ones that it's like one-on-one, it's you're facing that person, yep. and, that, and men tend to be more interested in things. We yep. tend to be the, the engineers, the architects, the let's, let's make a bridge across that river exactly. over Pro- there. Programming. Yeah, oh, programming. So. Things, things that are more like concrete, right? And for those that are wondering, STEM is science, technology, uh, engineering, and math. Math. That's that's right. what STEM means. So guys. those are the, so those are the things. And so what happens is when we um, when we cater our college uh, our college. Um, uh, education, yeah, ed- our educational like programs and yes. everything else. Where we're test taking. So what happens is the the colleges that were teaching those things, they don't make as much money teaching those things as they would if they were teaching it for a female, like a female interests. <laughs> because we, all we need to develop our psychology pro- pro- program, we need to develop our communications program because we're getting more women that are coming in that are applying for for college, you know, to come into or applying for grants, applying for money, applying for you know. Uh, student loans and those things, and they're spending that money on these programs. Yes. So, of course, what are they going to do in those colleges? They're going to cater to that need if they're exactly. a business like anything else. Yeah. So colleges are a business and people forget exactly. that. Exactly. And you have to remember also we're at a time right now where, like, was it 68% of college, in, like new college uh, applicants are like women. And I yes. believe it was, it's at least 68 or 70% are graduates are women right yes. now. And does anyone, does anyone talk about the fact that women are in college and they may say, oh, you know what? I don't like this uh, subject anymore. I want to change my, my major. They do that tens of thousands of times, and it's like mm-hmm. you know what? That's more money for the for I'm the find school. What I really like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah exactly. It is. It, yeah, the the more indecisive you are in college, the more money that. that so now we know that to, that the education system. I hate to say it, guys, it is a business, and yeah. if women are the predominant consumers of college education, mm-hmm. the colleges would be stupid from a business standpoint to not, not cater to, cater to, to their things. target audience. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's it's sales, whether you guys want to accept it or not. Yep. So now that we know that women dominate colleges, and we know that they're more interested. In things in certain versus uh, sorry in more, certain more, arenas, in people, certain yeah. areas, yeah, uh-huh. in people than things. Let's talk a little bit about uh, career choice and the wage gap that everyone likes to talk about. Um, go ahead, guys, and start recording at this point and show this to every single feminist that claims that women make eighty cents on the dollar for every dollar that a man makes. So right, let's right, talk right. about this. Let's well, whenever whenever we talk about the the the, the wage gap, you have to uh-huh. remember that, and this has been something that's been real. The wage gap has was actually disproven not this year, but it was disproven way back in like the night, <laughs> like the late nineties, and we're still to this in in every damn presidential election. You'll hear Barack Obama or yeah. Biden or whoever is on that side of the fence will say, "Well, we." really need to tighten up the wage gap and this is totally unfair and what happens is if there is ever a discrepancy in earnings between men and women it comes down to really two things one of them is the choices that women have women have because men and women are different they're going to make different choices they're going to go into different fields got it women if you one thing though mm-hmm. before we go into it we should tell them where the wage gap originally stemmed from basically it took all you know full-time working men yeah. and all full-time working women and they basically took like how much the men made versus how much the women made and said, well, men make less money. But mm-hmm. they didn't like um, they didn't extrapolate that data to figure out like hours worked, types right, of jobs, right. etc. So like that's where the wage gap myth comes from originally, yeah. guys, is that men, mm-hmm. all full time working men versus all full time working women. They, the men made more money. Yeah. Guys, real quick. This is very important. Yeah. Stop the show. OK. Please stop the show. Oh, did I get there? We have just hit 100K on Ronald's yeah. channel. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Y'all, the real ninjas in here. Shout out to y'all. I love you, guys. I love you, guys. 100K plot on Fashion Fit. Shout out to Rolo, man. He helped us get our 20K, and it's it's an honor to help him get his 100. I'm glad I could push it over on this show. Shout out to everyone in the chat. Twitch, everybody. Thank you, people in the chat. I'd like to thank the Academy and my parents. Thank you guys so much for the support, and thank you for supporting Rolo, supporting us, and getting this knowledge out there. Um, so going back to Hype the, train, please on on Twitch. Hype train. Yeah, <laughs> wage gap. Yeah, you guys were here for that. Um, yes. So now we have to have a party. Gap. Yes, and I, I will. I'll go rent out. Le- I'll go rent out. Uh, Le- uh, was it Lex in in Reno? We'll we get bottle service. Red Rock also coming. Yeah, the Red Rock. Yeah, there we Red go. Rock. We'll celebrate. Quarter there. million and hundred thousand. Yeah. Big things, man. So uh, going back. Okay, so female so, careers and and the wage, wage gap. gap. So I just yeah, wanted to gap. just say that that like people wonder where the hell did this come from? It basically came from all working women and all working men, and that it's, was it. It's it's massaging the numbers is what it is. Yeah, it's making. The numbers say what you want them to. What? Go ahead. Oh, black. Oh, by the way, we gotta talk about the black lemur man. Five hundred dollars, black lemur. Oh, supporting man. Thank you so much, black lemur. There you go. Very good. Yeah. Right. Um. So when we're talking about uh, the the wage gap, uh, again, this is something that has been disproven as far back as even like nineteen ninety eight. So mm-hmm. I mean, whenever, whenever, like I said, whenever it is useful, you will see it trotted out there. And you have to remember, as you were saying, that the wage gap exists. When there is an aggregate, uh, we take everybody together and we put it all together and it says, wow, men are earning, you know, or women are earning 77 cents on the dollar, whatever it is today, right? Maybe we've moved it up and we, we, we bumped the needle a little bit. And so that's a big celebration. But the, usually if it comes up to like 78 cents or 79 cents on the dollar, then we have to go, well, we've got a long way to go, baby. You know, and, and it makes for good press. But the fact of the matter is that the reason that it exists is not because, and this is the second part of all this, is when we talk about the wage gap, we presume that it exists because of endemic sexism, and Boom. it does not exist because of endemic sexism. It exists because choices that women make that they – sometimes they're forced to make. Sometimes they have to, right? Like say, OK, I want to have babies. So that's going to take you out of the workforce for a certain amount of time. Maybe you decide that you never want to go back to work, whatever. Those choices are going to be something that is is – unique to that per, that particular person but you if you take these these numbers in aggregate in some cases women are earning more than men depending on whatever the the particular you know the industrial subsector This was shown in Google as well. Exactly. Yep. They, they tried to say the there was a wage gap too, uh, but women actually made 8% Way more. Way more. Yeah. 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 And so so in some cases, that's the way it works. In fact, in some cases, uh, like we've been talking about uh, every once in a while, I'll, I think I might have picked this up off of Tim Pool of all people. But you'll see these stories about how um, in some cases there are um, uh, companies that have to dial back their 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 hiring practices because they're hiring too many women, because mm. there's too many women in those positions that they thought, well, we need a quota. We got to have more women here than we do there. And it's not about the actual qualifications of that of that person that male or female it's about whether or not you have a penis or you have a vagina and that's really mm. what it comes down to it's like how many vaginas do we need and how many penises do we need and that's really what they're talking about it's not about the the the, the quality or the the merit of that you know the respectability the meritocracy kind of thing it's about the quota side of things and that comes down to the equality you know what, what do we have do we have equality or do we not have equality um, if you ha- if you have hiring quotas, you are more interested in the narrative than you are in actually the the success of your company or the direction that you would like to take your research or the direction that you would like to um, 
like if you want to develop and innovate something, the new, the, the next new in, innovation or invention or whatever, it, it's just because a woman did it or Amanda, it shouldn't matter, right? Because well, well, sex is a social or gender is a social construction. So why would it matter that? Why would we have hiring quotas if that's the case? Mm-hmm. The reason we do is because feminism has never been about equality. It has only ever been about retribution and restitution. That's all it has ever been about and it has only been about a, a, a one-sided supremacism movement. And I know that's unpopular to say, but a lot of people need to hear that message. It has been about supremacism from day one. And we're, we're right now uh, – what was it? I was just uh, – you want to talk about the, 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 the gender wage gap or the control of wealth in not just the United States but over, over the world. Right now, um, I, I, I want to say it was – Chris, please I, pull up the article I just sent you by the way. It's the Google article uh, real quick. While Roll talks about this, so, um, go ahead. Anyways, uh, wim- women like uh, in uh, in are in control of like the World Bank right now. They're in control mm. of of the the money in the world. The more women are in control of money in the world than men are right now. They say, well, we don't earn. We only earn seventy seven cents on the dollar. Well, as long as you are focused on those, you know, rejiggered, uh, you know, stats. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, it's all you're going only going to be focusing on the fact on that fact. But the thing is, is that women control wealth more than men do. Women have more direct control over wealth. Um, the other thing about we were talking about uh, schooling just a little while ago, um, women are uh, account for two thirds of all student debt right now. And I think yes. I gave you the stats for that one as well. Yes. Um, but they uh, it's, I, I believe it's something like nine nine hundred and sixty nine billion dollars of the trillion something that they that they Can we pull up that article real quick, yeah. Chris. Yeah, uh-huh. we can't because uh, we've uh, reached a limit of free articles, apparently. You what? See, uh, right here. Oh, what the? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's oh, weird. Wow. Okay, we'll, we'll, put we'll put the link. We'll put the link in the description. We'll put the link in the description. But guys, mm-hmm. yeah, basically Google did a little uh, investigation. They actually found they thought they were underpaying the women, and they found that they were actually underpaying the men by about eight percent. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that with with the wage gap, they never compare apples to apples. They always try to compare apples to oranges. And what they're trying trying to say is, let's compare a man who works eighty hours per week to a woman that works maybe seventy hours per week, and they have mm-hmm. the same position. Or they don't use meritocracies. They don't use education. They don't use all these other factors. But when you use these other factors and equalize it, you start to figure out that the wage gap almost disappears. Right. The problem is this, going back to what Rolo said, it's not about equality. Uh, it's not about real equality. What they want is equality of outcome, you know what I'm saying, versus equality yeah, yeah. of opportunity. And that's two different things. You, know? you can't get equality of outcome. That's just not the way the world works. And the wage gap hinges upon this premise of we deserve an equal t- e- equality of outcome. And that's just not the way it If goes. anything, we overcorrected. And I hate to get religious here, but think about this, right? At the beginning of time, men were in power. Mm. Now it's women in power. So now we're flipping the script. And in, in religion, what did they say in the end times? Women are going to be in control of men. So I just feel like it's, it's a whole agenda here being pushed mm-hmm. and like they're winning, man. So. Yeah. And I'll say one other thing too. Um, there are numerous articles, and Tomb Pool talked about this too. You referred to it. Mm-hmm. Women find a majority of men is economically like unattractive, unattractive. Yes. and not uh, in, in modern day. And not mm-hmm. only that, in a lot of major cities, women are, are earning men. Yep. So, mm-hmm. what, what does this what, uh, what does gotta, this tell you? I got I got another great one. I think, sure, I, and I ahead. sent you this as well. This is off of zero. Pull it up? This is no, it's okay. I'm just going to read the the title of this, okay. the headline of this. This is off of zerohedge.com. Uh, okay. Uh, wage growth stagnation hits men harder than women. Okay, mm. and the reason for that is because there are, men are in certain sectors that are more impacted than women will will be. So when, like I said, the choices that women make to get into those certain fields, they're going to be subjected to certain like economic stresses, whereas men are going to be subjected to other to different economic stresses 
based on the choices that they make, right? Yep. So if industry starts to take a hit, it's men that are going to that are going to hit that are going to feel the feel the, the brunt, like the wage growth stagnation, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about when we talk about seventy seven cents on the dollar, if you take it in aggregate, if you take everybody together, then yeah, that might be the case. But when you take those subsectors, like if you talk about like uh, industry, like no women are working in raw sewage, okay? No no women are like they're they're, they're like they're construction, right? Men are account for the uh, what ninety eight or ninety nine percent of all workplace deaths. Like if you get yes. pulled into the machinery, Let's or talk whatever. about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of Physical there's a lot of downside, jobs. right? And it's men who are like men are predominantly the infantrymen, right? I mean yep. they're the guys that are out there that that are taking the risks. They take more risks. They're the they're the ones who are out there. You ever seen a d- most dangerous catch? Right? Yep. Yep. Ain't no women on those boats. No, <laughs> no. And and here's the other thing too. Um, shout out to uh, I want to say this as well. Uh, me and Rolo talked about this in depth yesterday mm-hmm. with the Scandinavian countries, right? Right. Uh, if you look at Scandinavian countries, they have the strongest egalitarian laws pretty much in the world, yeah. right? Everything the, has to be equal. Right? They're, yeah. they're the most socially forward of any other country, any other society right now. Mm-hmm. And what that's shown is that when you leave people to their own devices with 100% choice, mm-hmm. it actually separates them even further as far yeah. as careers go. Because they default to their natu- their innate uh, their innate way of thinking about things. Yeah. Right? They, you know, men and women have, are different. We have different yeah. natures. We have, they have different choices, and that's part of it. So just what you were saying a moment ago, uh, equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity. If you go to Denmark, if you go to Finland, or you go to the Scandinavian countries where everything is meant to be, like even Stephen, right? Uh, and they try to I, uh, optimize equality of opportunity. Yes. In that state, as most as idealized as you possibly can get it, um, women will choose to go into fields that are what more interested in people and men go into things exactly. that are more interested with things because that's just how the machine works. Yep. That's just how our brains work. Men have a different brain architecture than women do. I can show you the studies for that too. People always hit me up on this as well. I wish I, I did not pull those, those stats. I, I didn't know we would get to this today, but if you look at, uh, if you look at how men's brains are wired versus how women's brains are wired and you take them and you lay them on top of each other, they're, they're almost complementary. Mm-hmm. So, so the connections and the synapses. We will put that study in the description box yeah. for you guys. Yeah. Don't and, worry. This is, we will. and that was from a 2016 or 2017 study in the Guard. Oh, it was from the Guardian, but there's it's from a, a bigger study than that. But men and women do not process emotions the same way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so men, especially uh, negative emotions, men tend to default to anger. Women tend to default to crying, right, mm-hmm. or the, or hysterics, or whatever, like and um, untrained, and you know, they're just left to their own devices, kind yes. of thing. So there are in our innate ways that we have emotional responses, and for men, we don't like like women will say this all the time. You get this on the show here too, as well, because we always appeal to emotion, like yes. feels before reels. Yes. Well, the reason why we do that is because women think because we're all equal, right? We're all blank slates. So women believe that you. As a man, emote the same way that she does as exactly. a woman. Yes. And she says, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Well, who hurt you? Why is there something wrong with you? Well, it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's you're not wired the same way she is for emotion. So where she's prioritizing emotion and you're prioritizing reason when you're presenting these facts, that's how you get like, oh, we got to, I don't like your tone, mister. Yep. Right. And, and so it's, it's if you would just deliver this on a nice, you know, you know, sugarcoat this for me, it would be better. No, it's not because she's interpreting this through an emotional lens where you're trying to deliver it through a rational and reasonable lens and you have you know you have a, a, a failure to communicate right there but the problem is now is that and this gets back to the education system like teaching boys to be defective girls and teaching girls their own form of the blue pill the problem is is that we've made the female experience the correct experience 
in Western societies for sure. But in a gynocentric social order, to be female is to be correct. So the way that that woman feels is the correct way. And if you don't feel that way, you're damaged. There's something wrong with you. You were brought up and they always default to social constructionism. Somebody taught you to control your emotions and to be this asshole and to, to not feel. And, and so it's okay for guys to cry. You're attacking them. Yeah. Well, guys, sometimes guys don't cry because we're not wired to cry. Mm-hmm. We're wired to get pissed off, <laughs> but we're not wired to cry. Right. And so when that woman says, well, you're not crying, you're not expressing your emotions. You're not in touch with your female side. You're not in touch with your emotional nature. You're not expressing your emotions. What she's saying is there's something wrong with you because she legitimately thinks that you are like stunted or you're retarded. And I mean that in like the clinical sense, right? Like there's something that happened to your brain or somebody taught you something that's incorrect. And if you could just unlearn that, then, and then you could come over to the the female way of thinking and be more like a woman, then you'd be better. You'd be a more perfected human being. If you could feel like I feel, because that's the way we do things. That's the correct way, right? We medicate little boys. We give them, oh, you have HDD, ADD, whatever it may be. You're energetic. You can't sit down. Medicate and sit down. Yes. And so so what happens is we learn that from a very early age. Like we always say this is like we raise our boys to be defective girls. And the way that we do that is we we presume that the female experience is the only correct experience. So when women prioritize instinct, emotion and reason, we expect boys to do the same thing and we will teach them radically different from the way that their brains are simply wired. Mm -hmm. So if I don't cry at a sad at Marley and me, right, if I don't have the dog dies at the end of the movie and I don't cry and she's like bawling her heads off, there's something wrong with you. What happened? Your dad break you when you were a child or something it's no it's because i don't process emotion like you do Mm -hmm. or i don't prioritize certain emotions in the way that you do it doesn't mean that i'm wrong and you're right that there's no right or wrong it's just we are different that's how it works let's summarize the education system so so now we have you know uh, children in elementary school right you Mm -hmm. have the girls and the boys the boys are taught you need to sit still you need to be quiet Mm -hmm. etc which is more conducive to a child uh, to a to a female child succeeding Mm -hmm. they learn differently than boys do we learn much differently Mm -hmm. then on top of that as they progress through school right Mm -hmm. they go there the women college is set up for women to succeed because it's more set up where hey we're gonna prioritize programs that draw women in because women are more prone to go to college Mm -hmm. they're more prone to spend money they're more prone to uh to to be consumers which we will talk about female consumerism versus male consumerism Mm -hmm. you want to talk guys you want to talk about sexism in the universe are you in in school is female teachers tend to grade uh boys differently based on how correct they are in their female experiences yes based on like if they're if they're and unruly teachers are females yes <laughs> and, and so they and and they will misdiagnose like uh behavioral problems as a as a result of that boy's inability to learn like a little girl because that little because he's wired differently that's just how it works men and women are different even all the way down to the the cellular level down to the way that our brains are wired the things the ways that men work the, the ways that men mature is much slower physically slower than than women women reach a a physical maturity much quicker after puberty and everything else they get to a certain point they leave right there guys like with the joke is you know men don't become men till they're 30 right Mm -hmm. it takes longer for us to become and so if we haven't become if we haven't became at at the same rate as a woman then that means we're we're, there's something wrong with us there's there's something defunct about us because we can't keep up with that and usually you know we go well guys are they're just so juvenile and they're just little, little men are just little boys right and and the, you know men are just uh, are just grown up you know youngsters or whatever, yeah. and you carry that over into a, a power dynamic later on where you've got the wife who's now become the mommy, 
Yep. And she expects the 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 husband or the the boyfriend or whatever, like, oh, you're just going to be a little kid for that. You men are just juvenile, and they, so that's where you get those. Bam. Those so, impressions. Uh, so we covered education, we covered the wage gap, and we covered how female choices impact <clears throat> uh, how much money they make, and they dominate college. You know, three quarters of of uh, of college students are women, so mm-hmm. they have the ultimate choice. And then we also compound it and add in that you take an egalitarian country like the Scandinavian countries. And the more egalitarian, the more polarizing their mm-hmm. their choices and careers. So it is the the fact that women make less money than men is a choice, not necessarily based on sexism. So let's mm-hmm. transition over to careers and and women. You know, you know why they get pissed off when you say choice is because they feel like they don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a choice. I wanted to be a mother. I you know, and it's like it's so unfair. It's like yeah, it is. It's unfair. There are certain aspects of the differences between men and women that are always going to be unfair. Yes. It's a double standard. What is it? The, uh, uh, you know, why, why is it that men can have sex with a bunch of women and they, they're superheroes and girls? If you do that, you're a skank or you're a And slut. we're going to talk about that, yeah. guys, too. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. So uh, let's transition over real quick to careers and uh, female, ha- uh, female happiness with careers. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I guess... You know, one in four women in the United States right now is on some kind of anti-depression. Or oh man, bring that one up! I, I, yeah. I have the, I got that one to hammer. Yeah, hammer that one. Yeah, that's an easy one to find. You know, um, the, the the least happy demographic of, of woman is a woman in her forties that doesn't have a child, or least ha- happy demographic of human being from the 2011 study mm-hmm. is a woman that has a career uh, between I think fifty to one hundred thousand dollars a year, but without children. Um, can we talk about how uh, careers impact women versus how they impact men and uh, mm-hmm. ha- female happiness in oh, general? I want him to get to that one. I want how, him to get to that one. Hold on. Look, how, we this got, is happiness great. went down we got, significantly as feminism has emerged. That's it. Wait, go back one. That's it right that's there. Right Put there. that one up. We got that's, the channel. That's an easy one to, 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 to identify. All right. So we we're going to share this with you. We got the channel whatever in the chat. What is uh, that? The channel whatever. Oh, who's that? Shout out to them. Oh, okay. Shout out to you guys. Big, big channel on uh, YouTube. Okay. Cool. Thank you for, nice. for tuning in, guys. Um, okay, that, so we're going to pull that up one. that one right there. Okay, so we're going to share this one. Um, so, guys, we're going to pull Sheesh. up a graph here. While we're pulling this up, please like the video, guys. Um, comment and subscribe. And then also make sure to subscribe to our boy, Rolo Tomasi. There, there it is. Okay. Oh, boy. This is a great Let's one. Let's break this one down. I've been using this one for a while now. Sheesh. Okay. <laughs> As you can tell. Um, this is the uh, – and they, they broke it down by, by uh, ethnicity and, and uh, age demographics. But this is uh, white women, uh, 45 years old. Uh, 45 plus. Now, remember that the to get on that graph right there, you have to have used uh, have been uh, prescribed antidepressants for at least the last five years. So, oh, wow. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I've been using it for five. Now, that's the really damning statistic. But if you look at that spike right there in the prescription of antidepressants uh, that started right around 2010. Oh. Now, what happened in 2010 that would have triggered the, uh, you know, the. Um, the antidepressant. Let me give you guys. What's your best guess? What do you think happened around 2010 that would have precipitated that spike? The right explosion there? of social media usage. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh. Exactly. We got that's that was right about the time then when Twitter and Instagram and everything else. Yes. Social social media. The rise of social media was is a directly. It's not causation. It's not correl. You know, correlation course, is not causation, course. but it's, that's a pretty damning correlate yeah. right there. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and when I see this, like, so what? What most guys do is when they have used this in the past, they go, "Oh man!" So if you're dating a girl and she's 45 years old, the chances are she's probably, you know, she's nuts, you know, <laughs> and she's on she's on antidepressants. Yeah, that's prob- 
probably true, but they so they want to use it as sort of like a ha, gotcha. But the 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 real data behind all of that is what is what is creating that? What what is the underlying reason for that? I'm always like I have a dedic like you were saying at the beginning of the show. I have a uh, an obligation to objective truth, an obligation to reality, like empirical provable reality. Those are that's that's empiricism, right? That's data. Those are data sets right there. Yeah. What can we what can we determine from those data sets? Mm-hmm. And so you've got all these women who are like, you know, guys will say, well, stay away from women. They're crazy, right? They're all on antidepressants. Why? Why are they on antidepressants? What happened along the way? And how can you avoid that? How can you how can you because women on antidepressants aren't exactly like a tiger in the bed, right? Yeah, I mean, so. And not only that, uh, <laughs> you know, let's also <laughs> keep in mind that that, uh, you know, as women have gotten, uh, I guess, how do I say this? Have they, as they become more career oriented, you mm-hmm. know, and less family centric, mm-hmm. you know, the uses of antidepressants has went up, and also, uh, modern women are, have the lowest approval ratings of happiness, yes. of, of of satisfaction, life satisfaction. Right, right. Um, as they become, it's ironic how as they become more uh, liberated, they've actually become less happy, less fulfilled. Yeah. You know, I yeah. was um, I, when I was I was doing my homework for this because we talked about, by yes. the way, just so you know how we kind of came. To yes. The, to, how did we come to, how this? Did we come to the, to today's show? Yes. Yes. OK, well, we were talking about this over over dinner yesterday and it's like, OK, I got to do some homework for this. Yes. And so I was sending you the graphs. I was sending you some, you know, the, basically, how, do, how am I going to back up my arguments? Here's how here's how we're going to do this. When I was looking for like, uh, you know, women's happiness, reported happiness is at an all time low. I just I just type into Google the like, women's happiness or women depression blah 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 right I'm looking at this I I can't even choose which article because there's so many articles about it, uh-huh. um, it uh, the Atlantic is one like I'm, I'm looking for big names at that point like why why is it that uh, like women are so depressed right now as you can see from the from the from the data sets there um, primarily I think what it is is like a lot of women will say a lot of particularly trash they'll say we're cherry tra- picking we're cherry picking but they'll also say like um, They'll say, well, that's that's those women. That's this demographic. They're, those are damaged women. Well, I'll just try to find some way to qualify why those women are unhappy and they're not unhappy. So if you ask like a tradcon woman, you ask, you go on like what Daily Wire or whatever and you ask Candace Owens, she's going to tell you, well, it's because they're not having babies. And there might be actually something to that, right? Yeah. They're, because they have been removed from that conventional – those conventional sex roles or conventional gender roles. I never use the word traditional gender roles because tradition means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. So when I say traditional gender roles, you think I vote for Trump. No, I, I, I talk about it in terms of convention and when I talk about conventional sex sexual roles, gender roles, we're going all the way back to the savanna, uh, you know, in our hunter-gatherer gotcha. days, okay? So those are our conventional roles. Yeah. So when you remove women from that, and again, from from 1965, what is, what's the result of the experiment? <clears throat> Unhappy women, right? We can say, well, it's because of hormonal birth control. Yes, but it's also because of the social fallout that happened in the wake of hormonal birth control and saying, okay, <laughs> ladies, reproductive reproduction is on you. You take care of this. It's all on you right now. And so when they have that, what do they have to do? There's remember what uh, what women's innate mating strategy is hypergamy, alpha seed, beta need, alpha fucks, beta bucks. When you take care of the long term security aspect of women's mating strategy, like as completely as we have in the last 60 years, you know, you you got washing machines, you got dishwashers, you got all these like every modern convenience that men can create for you. And you're still unhappy. You're still like, I I don't know what to do with myself. Right. I've got too much. I've got too much going on. I have too much choice, a choice addiction or whatever. Um, paradox of choice. Paradox yeah. of choice, right? So you give you give them all of that, and like uh, I think it was Pook who said this: is if you want to make a woman, you want to make a woman unhappy, give her everything she ever wanted. 
And so that's kind of on a societal level where we are right now with respect to that. Because what we've done is we've, we've tried to ensure the security side, the beta buck side of hypergamy so thoroughly that women don't have anything to complain about, yet they still will complain. And so now what happens is they only have to focus on the alpha fuck side of hypergamy, which is why you get the girls in here and they say all the same things that they do because they think that along, somewhere along the way they're going to stick the landing. Right? They're going to get to 30 years old and ah, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. That's how you get the Kevin Samuels thing going on. It's like you get the, the women in here who think that they're going to find Prince Charming's going to ride up on a white horse when she's 32 years old and everything will work out. That's called sticking the landing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that really what that is, that dynamic is the result of women's impression or teaching women over the course of like the last 60 years that they don't have to worry about that. Or the perception is I don't have to worry about it because I can take care of my own security. So I'm just going to focus on the hot guy in the foam cannon party. Yeah. Right. And you know, it's funny, too. Um, you said you brought up a very, a very good point about social media. So I think personally that they've made women have made Instagram or social media their God. Yeah. So what happens is mm -hmm. they may have a man or husband taking care of the bills. Like we had earlier, the, the chick that women you know, admitted yesterday yeah. that they did not want yeah. to get rid of their social yeah. media because it would remove that ability to secure and or find other compatible mates. Mm -hmm. So they may be happy internally. On some level, but then they see another woman getting bags, traveling, mm -hmm. you know, independent, boss babe, whatever. And then, you know what? I want that too. But what they what they realize is that, like, that woman, that's her journey. That's not your journey. So just because she has it doesn't mean that you're going to get it too as well. So then, like you said, they wait 30 years plus for this r random guy yes. who's going to take care of them forever. But lo, lo and behold, they end up on Kevin Simon. Right, right, so right. Well, one of the things that gets me is like whenever I see like uh, when I, I, I see trad cons discussing like marriage or premarital sex or mm -hmm. or uh, I was just talking about uh, was it Andrew Clavin. I, I did a, a, a show on him not too long, uh, just like this week, actually. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about marriage. He was talking about like, why is it that MGTOWs don't want to be with you don't don't want to get married? And because that's a big deal. You know, no, say just say no to marriage. Right. Um Dr. Helen Smith talked about this way back in 2012. Uh, she has a book out that was called – back then anyways, it was called uh, Men on Strike, right? It's not that they, like these guys all collectively got together and said, you're going to go on strike and carry banners and placards or, you know, no women, you know. It was it like a no ma'am from like married with children, right? That's not what they were doing. But the, mm -hmm. the, they were disincentivized even as far back as like 2010, 2008, whatever, not to get married. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you see marriage rates in the toilet right now. Also – not coincidentally, the first age, average first age of marriage for women, for men and women in the United States, for men it's twenty nine point seven years old, and for uh, women it's like twenty eight point nine or something like that. So right about thirty years old, exactly the time that I always say this is the epiphany phase for women. Right, they twenty nine to thirty one years old is when they're kind of checking out of the sexual marketplace because they cannot compete at the same level that they did when they were twenty three years old at their at their at their peaks. Before we get into marriage, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we, we got covered, a question yeah, about marriage. We, too. Yeah, we covered uh, women entering the workforce and wait. Okay, so mm -hmm. for you guys that are joining, we're pretty much at the halfway point. Okay, so let's do a quick <laughs> me little recap. Point. All right, <laughs> so halftime, uh, we got we hit the definition of feminism. Then we covered the beginning how men. Started versus women as hunter-gatherers. Third, we covered the sexual revolution in the 1960s, first-wave feminism and uh, birth control. Then we covered feminism in school, psychology, and the the rise of the gynocentric society. Obviously, women being teachers, women dominating education, etc. Then we talked about women entering the workforce and the wage gap, right? Then we just discussed, do queers make women happy? Now, guys, we're going to go into, uh, as obviously women make more money, they've, they become better and bigger consumers, right? So we're going to talk about female consumerism and debt. And then we're going to start getting into uh, sex. So uh, and then and marriage. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Rolo, can we talk a little bit about uh, female consumerism and debt? And debt. 
Yeah. I mean, we yeah. obviously know some basic tenements mm-hmm. that women are 80% of the consumer base. They hold yeah. three quarters of the debt in college, uh, of college loans. And, uh, you know, they're the predominant spenders in the United States yeah. uh, by Shopping, a large margin. Buying right. online. Uh, I've, got a, I've got, a data, I got a data set up here that's sure. it's just it's crazy. It it's, you're going to actually have to focus in on it. There's so much data there. Let's pull it up. Women are the primary spenders, the primary consumers in the United States. I don't think that, and that's a shock to anybody. For men, like, t- like for. Is this one it rolls? No, uh, keep going. I'm no, going to pull it up no, for you guys. No, keep going. It's the colored one. Um, and while we pull this up, guys, please like the that, video. Uh, next one, next one back. That one right there. Okay, pull that one out. Pull that one up. Like I said, and man, you, we prepared, guys. So we're gonna show you guys this here. right yeah. now. Um, and don't worry, guys. All links and uh, you know, all links will be in the description below with the timestamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll move along here. Okay, so, no, um, go ahead, go ahead. so this this is uh, I forget where I got the, these are multiple uh, res, uh, m- multiple sources cited for this. So I'll just give you some of the other ones. Sixty percent of all personal wealth in the United States is held by women. Damn. Okay. Mm-hmm. All stock ownership in the United States, women control fifty one percent. Grandma, okay? does that sound like there's some endemic sexism that's preventing women from getting the <laughs> from getting the right to vote? You know, getting a, a wage. Patriarchy. Does that sound like a wage gap to you? Nope. No, it's, it's okay. So, what's more important, earning the money or spending the money? Who controls the money that's there of the household? Uh, at the bottom of this, this is real. This is, I use this one in the book actually. Okay. Um, over the course of a family's life, ninety percent of married women will control its wealth. So, oh. even if you stay married, statistically, ninety percent of the the decisions and the money that it, that goes in and out of that family is controlled by the woman in that house. Mm-hmm. You do the books, honey. I'll just give it to you. How's that? Damn. Uh, it's very uh, true. Pur- purchases by women account for 91% of new f- new homes, 66% of PCs, personal computers. Uh, and that's low. <laughs> um, and then 92% of vacations. Where are we going to go for vacation, honey? Well, the woman is going to decide where you're going to go for vacation. Uh, bank accounts. 89% of bank accounts are created by the women in that family. Uh, 93% of food choices, as you might guess, are, are uh, bought by, by women. Uh, uh, spending uh, and power. 80% of healthcare decisions are made by women. 68, oh, I didn't know that yes, one. Yes. 68% of new car. This is crazy. 68% of new car purchases des, uh, decisions are made by women. Damn. I want a Range Rover, honey. <laughs> <laughs> no, none for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 75% of women identify themselves as the primary household shopper, and 85% of women all are, of, of all consumer purchases in the United States are made by women. These women are controlling where the money is going in, certainly in the United States. Okay. These are, again, these are US And, and not only that, like uh, now we hit you guys with the numbers. Now let's talk about the, uh, the like the reality, the an- anecdotal facts. Mm-hmm. Gillette, two years ago, yeah. made a extreme, a very controversial commercial where they literally attacked their target demographic of consumer mm-hmm. men, called them. Toxically masculine. Mm-hmm. Let's get rid of toxic masculinity. They stereotype men as bumbling idiots and fools, mm-hmm. right? And they did that, even though they lost a lot of money. The thing is, you guys got to understand, is that they understand that the women buy the razors for their husbands. Right. So they were like, you know what? Since we most of our consumer base is female, let's attack our target demographic. The audacity mm-hmm. to do that. Right when you're, you're when your target demographic, it, it, you're attacking your own target de- demographic speaks volumes mm-hmm. as to who's actually making the purchases. Advertisers and I and I have been one for a very long time. Uh, my background has been in advertising, marketing, uh, brand management uh, for liquor brands, for gaming brands. For, if anybody who knows me knows what my background is as far as my profession is, is concerned. Um, but 
agencies, uh, ad agencies, marketers are all marketing to women right now. We live in a gynocentric social order. So you have women marketing to other women. Yep. Men's products, marketing women, marketing those men's products to other women who are going to buy them for the men. Yep. That's why when you get like Dove men, like I sell you like a shampoo that's for men, they, they create those commercials so that the women will buy them. I, I first began to notice this back in 2014. I actually did – there is an essay for this. Okay. Um, it was right after I watched Super Bowl commercials for the Super Bowl for 2014 and I was looking at these things and I was looking at like the – I think it was the Dockers commercial. Okay. And it was like men who wear the pants, right? And it's like these guys walking around their tidy whities right? And it's geared towards men, women buying Dockers so that their, their pantsless men would wear Dockers, right? That was the whole thing. I was like that's kind of a crazy-ass commercial. And I, I thought about that and I go it's, it's true because what they're doing is they're marketing those pants – to the women who are going to go because women are dressing their husbands, right? Yeah. They're like, here, I'll go and buy. Here, honey, I went to Walmart and I got you these dockers, right? That's that's what they're doing. And it used to be, and I don't think this is true so much anymore, but it used to be that sports were the only way that advertisers could market directly to men. Yes. And now I would say that that's probably not as true as it used to be probably like 10 or 20 years ago. Mm. Um, so like, as far as the Gillette commercial is concerned, yes. Uh, if you go and you, I did a, as you might guess, I did another essay about that when it came out, the Gillette thing. That was feminist agitprop right in, in the uh, agitating propaganda. In, How much money um, did they lose on that? Uh, a lot, actually. I think it was like something like $8 million or $8 billion dollars or something yeah. like that. I actually I tracked that I, I tracked the data on that to see what was going to happen like in six months afterwards and they yeah. took a Procter and Gamble who owns Gillette they took, turned the comments off on it it had one of the most disliked videos yes, yes and the commercial was the, was actually directed by a, a, a feminist a, a mili yeah. militant feminist a militant who was, feminist. was famous for uh, prior to the Gillette commercial she was famous for um, creating a commercial of talking fruit that looked like vaginas Yo, and singing fruit that looked like vaginas and fun, fun fact a lot of these ad campaigns are are uh, actually their ad managers have access to the funds are women. Yes. So literally yeah, you got women the decisions. making this yeah. choices <laughs> to women. Yeah, so that like, sounds good to me. Let's go with that, right? And another fun fact too, the top heads of CEOs are allowing the women to make those choices. Yeah. So the men are allowing this to happen. So. Yeah, well, and they have to because if they don't, then it looks bad. It's bad. This PR. is what I got here. Mm. Um, as of August 1st, 2019, so it could be even higher, guys. Mm. The Washington Examiner has updated this story to remove the suggestion that Gillette <laughs> lost $8 billion Due to its Me Too inspired advertising campaign, eight billion. Yeah, yeah. holy so, smokes, guys. Th that tell if that does not display, ha, I even got the number right. Females are <laughs> that that women are not the predominant Sheesh, consumer base. Where they would take an incredible <laughs> risk Sheesh. like that. They took an incredible risk to attack their own target buyer to appease to the people that spend the dollar. If that doesn't show that women control the dollar and how it's spent, I don't know what does. Yeah. That, that was an yeah. amazing risk to take, yeah. and they lost. It was so, a bad risk. So long, long story short, when we talk about the wage gap and everything, we talk about earning. Well, it, it, and usually it's because whenever we talk about the wage gap, the presumption, again, like I said before, is that it is because of endemic sexism. And it is not because of endemic sexism. It is because of choices. However, what is endemic sexism is women controlling 90% of the wealth in the United States. That we can point to and say that is a gross overstatement of directing that cash where it's going to go. So do you think really this is ever going to change back to men having the power? Um, I get this every time I'm, I, I talk about these topics. Like whenever I, I, I do like hard, harsh data set things uh where, where where's the great reset how are we going to make things better how, how and i've always said this is like it's going to be a meteorite we're gonna have a meteor is going to hit the, the planet and we're going to have the hard reset that way yeah. um or we're going to get to a point where um 
where society is going to break down. And a lot of people will say, yeah, of course, yeah, Rolo's finally on our team. No, no, it's, it's, it's not enjoy the decline so much as it is when you get to the bottom of the decline, what happens at the, bottom, at of the, bottom. At the bottom of the decline? Yeah. So what is it that you want to happen and what do you think is going to happen? Are you often like two different things? Oh, I'm going to enjoy the decline. Um, I, I, I don't think – I'll tell you what I don't think is going to happen. I don't think that there's going to be some magical social initiative that's going to magically make women want to, uh, A, give up any rights, give up any money, give up any power that they've been given over the course of the last 60 years. It's simply not going to happen. Right. Uh, every time I listen and, – and I will – I'm going to piss off the MGTOWs here. But every time I hear guys say, repeal the 19th, I'm all for it. Go Go right ahead. Tell me how you're going to do that. It will never happen. Tell me what – OK. It'll and and if you could do that mm-hmm. – what is it? What does the world look like after that? That what? What is your idealized scenario? What's the the best case scenario if we repeal the nineteenth? Then what happens? <laughs> and nobody thinks past. Well, once the revolution is over, we're going to reform society. Okay, what does that look like? I don't know, but let's go that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, okay, so guys, we're gonna get into now male sexual strategy versus female sexual strategy, and we have seven thousand live viewers right now, guys. Shout out to y'all. Please do like the video, sub to the channel, yes. sub on Twitch, and then sub to Rolo as well. Yes. Yeah, guys. Keep just going. two things. Like this video, open up another tab, subscribe to Rolo Tomasi, search him on YouTube. He just hit 100,000 subscribers. Yep. Thanks Finally. to y'all. Finally. Help him keep growing. Thanks to y'all. Because this knowledge yep. needs to get out there. Save this video. This is going to be the definitive okay, podcast on the differences between men and women from a fact-based reality. We're showing the studies. All the studies will be in the description after the, after we finish this podcast. But um, now we're going to go into... Let me give you one more oh, set ahead, based ahead, on please. this because so, this is a really quick one. Ahead, and this from the same data set. Women control the majority of personal wealth in the United States and the percentage is growing. Today, like I said before, it's 51% right? Yeah. Uh, from those stats. By 2030, this is the forecast, by 2030, it will be 66% of... The, of U.S. Uh, United States personal wealth will be in the control uh, of women. Damn, sixty-six percent. And then sounds I, like a patriarch to me. Yeah. And then I've also t- uh, we also talked about the rise of the she economy, right? The, yeah. the Morgan Stanley. I mentioned it in book four. Um, by twenty thirty, uh, what is it? Forty? I believe it's forty-five percent or fifty-two percent. One of those somewhere in there. Um, of women bet- uh, of prime we'll working single, age right? will be single yes. by twenty thirty. So that and the prime working age is twenty-five to forty-four. Yep. And women spend more when they're single. I believe it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're going to transition over to uh, the sex guys. So guys, do us a quick favor and please like this video. And what, this is what you guys have been waiting for the whole time. So um, I guess let's talk about... What is hypergamy? The, the hypergamy. What is uh, the male sexual strategy versus <laughs> what the female sexual strategy? What is a female dualistic mm-hmm. sexual strategy? Mm-hmm. And then we'll get into marriage after this. Guys, listen up. Okay. Because for you guys that don't understand how women operate... This is the nuts and bolts of it, baby. Oh, right here. This oh, is man. how all the pickup artistry, all the dating advice, everything stems from what we're about to talk about right now when it comes to mating from an evolutionary standpoint, why women do the things that they do when they deal with men. Let's get into it. All right. All right. Okay. So uh, men and w- the, the easiest way to explain this is men and women's mating strategies are innate mating strategies. If there's no block, if there's no nothing holding them back, there's no filter, men and women's mating strategies are different and they are adversarial. Okay. What that means is that they, 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 men and women are different and sometimes our worlds collide when, it, when in the best interests of our mating strategies go against whatever – that happens to be for women. Now, a lot of women, a lot of guys even will say, well, isn't, aren't they mutually beneficial? Shouldn't we all want to have uh, seek out the same thing? That happens, but it happens in different ways per the man, per the woman. So 
Let's down in brass tacks here. Hyper- Hypergamy is women's innate mating strategy. Alpha seed, beta need. Hawkeye, short-term sexual benefits, meaning genetic benefits. Getting the the hottest guy, the hot guy in the foam cannon party. There's your reference for today. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who is Kevin in sales, right? The guy who is the hottest guy that she can get a hold of and have sex with in as immediate a fashion as possible. And we've never made it more easy for women to do that today. Replication okay? value, Replication guys, value. Which we talked exactly. about earlier at the top of the show, yes. evolution. Yes, replication value. And then there's survival value, which is the beta buck side of it. So there yeah. are two. Uh, whenever you're looking at women's innate mating strategy, and I don't care if you say it's buffered or this is changes or whatever. The basis of it is alpha seed, beta need, alpha fucks, beta bucks, short-term sexual benefits versus long-term security benefits. Yeah. So when I talk about beta bucks, it is the provisioning side. And every time you ask one of these girls on this on this show, what do you look for in a guy? Every last damn one of them will always default to the beta buck side of things because they're thinking in long term. Right. And I'll tell you why they are here in just a minute. So the beta buck side it revolves around the three P's. OK. Protection, provisioning and prevent parental investment. Those are the three P's of the beta. Write buck that side down, guys. That. That's the dualistic nature of women's mating strategy. And usually they would ideally they would like to find both of those things, the hot guy and the best of provisioning in the same guy. Right. So that's usually the guy who's who's made he's the made man, right? He's already there. It's turnkey relationship. He uh, he's the winner. That like Rich Cooper says, you know, women don't care about your struggles. They wait at the winning line, finish winners line. line, finish line, and they fuck the winners, right? Mm. Ideally, they would love to do that. Now, in a perfect world, that would happen. This is not a perfect world, and they and women have by order of degree can make that happen or not make that happen depending on how attractive they are and how much they align. With men's innate mating strategy, exactly. so so you've got alpha fucks, beta bucks. Those are and, and that's the easiest way to break it down. Are, there's a lot that goes on, a lot of more nuance between those two. And whenever I say hypergamy, let's talk. Oh, you want to get into the semantics? Here we go. Yes, I know hypergamy as a word was deter- was was created back in the fifties to describe the Indian caste system of sociology. It's a sociological term from way back in the day to describe how women would like to marry up in Indian society from this this social tier up to the next social tier. Got it. Understand. Okay. Don't throw that one at me. I know the actual classical definition of it. Thank you very much. What I have done over the course of 20 some odd years is expand the definition of hypergamy. As times have changed. So because times have changed. To bring it to 2021. If you want to call it something else, the dualistic nature, whatever it is, I'm I'm all ears, but hypergamy seems to be the best term that's working for a long time and I'm going to stick with it. In fact, even Dr. Jordan Peterson Jordan decided Peterson. to use it himself in yeah. that in those in that frame. Exactly. So, let's move on, okay? From from that point, there, uh, the last thing, and I, I've been trying to emphasize this um, uh, in recent and certainly this last year, is that when you look at women's uh, window of opportunity, when are women at their sexual market value peak? I've always made the Very joke. You know, they, they call a store. Should we pull up the graph right now? Uh, if, if you have it, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I have the. I didn't know if I, I gave him the graph, but it's off of. Uh, you might have it somewhere. Uh, sexual market value graph. You I don't. Have it. I don't know if I, I have it in there, but it's uh, it's the. Um, no, it's not. It's not in the ones that I, I sent you, Chris. It's the. Uh, it, it's off of it one might of be my a site. Link. I can go grab it. I'll go grab it here in a second. Don't worry, I'll get it. You, it's you, it's, it's my infamous. Inf- it's it. my infamous graphic with the blue and the pink. You know, bell curves. Bell right? curves. And remember, that was a very unscientific graph, but it was. It's. It's funny how accurate it was in hindsight. And I made that back in like 2013, 2014. Uh, peak marketability for women is based on how attractive she is. Remember, we said. Um, 
sexual market value is, is, is based on her agency and that agency is tied to how attractive she is to, to the member of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. That's why women take their clothes off when they want to protest and they want the, their, that – that uh, attention. that attention because they know that's what gets them attention. Even the lizard brain figures that out at a very early age. Okay, so what what you have is you got women between like right around twenty three is where I peg women's sexual market value peak years. Okay, yeah, there it is. That's that. Perfect. There's a the graph, baby. Perfect. There we go. The infamous graph. Let's expand that a little bit, Chris. So at can. the top of that, so at the see. top of the pink bell curve right there, you see that I I, I hit that at about uh, twenty three is the top of the peak right there, and. That is where where women are at the peak of their agency. That's when guys want to get with them the most. In fact, we can look at the stats from uh, a book called Dataclism, I believe it was. And it's okay. a, a list of stats that was uh, aggregated by uh, – I think it was OkCupid, the owners of OkCupid. Okay. So we now have like access to data where we can, we can figure these things out, right? Yeah. And one of the things they figured out is that women like right around 22, 23, 24 years old are what men report – Across the board, from age 15 all the way to 105, say yep. that that is the age that they find women the most attractive. Yep. That's when they want to bang those chicks, right? 22, 23, 24. That's the chick for me. When it comes to women, it staggers. So when a woman is, say, like 20 years old, she's looking for a guy who's about 23 years old or 25 years old, somewhere around there. And if she's 25, she's looking for a guy who's 28 years old or mm -hmm. just a slightly older maybe. And, and statistically speaking, Women look for guys who are anywhere between three to seven years older than they are, depending on how old the woman is. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so that's again, this is from the book Dataclism. And so for for women, it's the staggering. As a woman gets older, she's looking for a guy who's still older, but of around the same. So a thirty three year old woman looking for a thirty six year old, thirty seven year old guy. Right, that's statistically how it goes. They right. report that's the guy that they want to get with. Now, we'll get to the Pareto principle here in a second, but I wanted to point this out because if you look at the timeline on the on the age right there. From the age of 18, and I've never said this on this show before, from the ages of 18 to 28 years old, right before the epiphany phase, that 10-year span mm -hmm. for women is a crucial time in a woman's life. That is when she is most able to, to optimize the alpha fucks side of hypergamy. That's when she can get the hottest guys. As we know, because that's when guys report that this is what we want at this across the board, right? Absolutely. 45 years old, I want a 23 year old. Yep. 50 years old, 70 years old, I want the 23 year old. 15 years old, I want the 23 She's year old. She's in the strongest yeah. negotiating position has, to optimize yes, her she options. She has her, her agency, her power, her, her ability to control her own life or get the things that she wants according to her sexual agency. That's when she's at her peak. Within, and I, I will even give, it, give you this between 18. And 28 years old, 10 years. How old do you think an uh, average woman's lifespan is? 90 years old? Yeah. Something yeah. like that? Yeah, they live yeah. longer so, than us. Longer so than us. out of 90 years on planet Earth, 10 of those years is when she's going to be able to be at her peak. And that's what she's going to be able to, to focus on during those, those, those 10 years. Everything past that from 28 all the way till she's in the grave – all of that is spent on the beta bucks side of things. That's where she's looking for long-term security. Or if she's not, it's still in the back of the head. Yeah. And that's why women obsess. And that's why every chick that comes on here is, I make my own damn money. What do I bring to the table? I got my own career. I got this. And every time you ask them, what do you bring to the table? It's always it is that the value that they think they have is based on how well they can satisfy long-term security. Mm -hmm. I got I got my own money. I got my own business. I'm going to freeze my eggs. I can go to the sperm bank and have a baby anytime I want. I, it's anything that is complementary to long-term security. Women today don't 
think that they are going to ever get long-term security from men. I put this up as a, as a, as a post or as a, a comment one time when – I don't know if it was last night or it was the night before. But women, when they are looking for a guy, they, have, they don't expect to find long-term security in that guy because they think men are either abusive or they're ridiculous or they're incompetent. And so as a result of teaching them this for a long time, they think they have to create their own long-term security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why it's, I make my own damn money. I'll do what I want. I guess I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life, right? Well, if that's the case, then it behooves you to get a degree, to forget about marriage, right? Because these guys, none of these guys will ever marry, measure up. Or even if they did measure up, they'll only be good for, for alpha fucks and they'll never be good for beta bucks because I don't want to get with a beta. I don't want to get with the chump if I don't have to. They don't have to get with the chump anymore. So, so now it's that long-term security aspect that is going to stick with them for the next, let's say, 80 years rather than the 10 years that they have that window to capitalize on the alpha fuck side of things. So you have to take that into consideration. So when you're dealing with – like if you're down here like you know, macking on girls or whatever like that and that girl's between 18 and 28 years old, her priorities are going to be much different than the girl who's 29 to 31 years yep. old and, and so on and so forth. And they're not looking for – they're not looking forward towards the long-term security because they don't expect to ever find it in a guy. Because guys are ridiculous. They're stupid. I don't want to have anything to do with guys. I guess I'm going to be lonely for the rest of my life. I guess you are because you say, you'll say, I don't need men. You, you literally don't need men. And men who don't – women who don't need men, men don't need those women because they want to be needed. We need a purpose, right? So anyways, that's the, that's the, the new kind of thing I've been thinking about with respect to hypergamy is there's, there's how – at what age and what era and what stage of a woman's maturity can she maximize the alpha fuck side and – What's the rest of her life, right? Mm-hmm. And and she has a lot longer to wait and a lot longer to depend on with long-term security than she does alpha fucks. And that's why when women come on this show and they're 34, 38 years old or whatever, and they're like, you know, crying in the, or Kevin Samuel says, you know, you're, you're average at best. That girl's crying in her beer because she knows that her, her, that 18 to 28 year old window is gone. It's long gone. Yep. But she should have been using that window to, to get long-term security rather than just I'm going to go bang whoever I can bang and get the, get the seed instead of the need. And let's talk right. about this as well. Uh, we talked about how so, there was a spike in antidepressant uh, prescriptions there in 2010 go. with social media go. usage. Let's talk about the globalized sexual marketplace, which has also mm-hmm. contributed to this with women taking that 10-year span and not necessarily optimizing it mm-hmm. because the grass is always greener on the other side. A woman that, did, that lived in the middle of nowhere, Idaho, right? Idaho, mm-hmm. right? That was beautiful, was constrained... Right to that geographic area of sexual uh, of the lo- candidates, the local sexual the lo- marketplace, the local sexual marketplace. Of the but global. now with the advent of Instagram, especially where women can advertise themselves, it's, on demand, drop in July first. Yeah, J- July first, guys. To teach you guys how to op- optimize on the globalized sexual marketplace. But going back, um, what's happened is women now have more options than ever before, and we talked about how there's that dualistic strategy with. Uh, you know, long term provisioning versus you know al- alpha bucks, beta bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Alpha bucks, beta bucks. Uh, Wait, yeah, yeah, Alpha you Fox got it. You had it right. You had it right. So, uh, so, so, when in that ten-year span, especially with the education system and women being told that they can freeze their eggs, they can. Uh, th- there's abortion. There's a, a, um, birth control. Mm-hmm. There's all these advents essentially to allow women to have casual sex with higher value men with zero consequence. What we've done is we've effectively deregulated the sexual marketplace and we've given all the leverage to the women. But what they don't understand, I say this all the time, is that inadvertently. What's happened is they've given all the leverage to the high-value men. Right. Because now all these women, if you leave them to their own devices, right, and you tell them that you don't have to have a family right now, you could push back a a family, you can have your fun in your 20s, what are they going to do? They're going to optimize that sexual strategy Mm -hmm. of the alpha fucks. 
And if they're getting hit up by guys in California, that localized sexual marketplace of potential candidates invisible. are invisible mm-hmm. to her now. And now she's traveling all over the world. We have this uh, society now where so many attractive women are sugar babies. Guys, make no mistake about it. There are girls that have multiple sugar daddies and then a couple guys that they smash on the side that are attractive. It is what it is. I was with one earlier, bro. Yeah, there you she go. Got sugar yeah. daddy. I'm like, bro, that's crazy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So- well, and that's the thing is, is we've also uh, in that deregulation, we've also created social conventions that make it more acceptable. Mm. So if you talk about sugaring or whatever, and girls will say, "Yeah, I'm sugaring, but I'm just doing it so- till I'm out of college, like so I can pay my college." That it's probably that. And why would women go to college? Because they want long term security at some point. It used to be that women would go to college to get their MRS degree, right? To mm-hmm. find the right guy. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna go. I don't care what I major in. I just as long as I find a cute guy. Right? Exactly. That was that was what that was the thing. No, no longer is that <laughs> clearly not because statistically there aren't as many men at the college as there are women. But we still see the enrollment rates as as what they are. But when you're talking about um, like uh, the SSRIs, which is uh, antidepressants and the prescriptions, we just showed that graph just a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the demographic. Right. Thirty five to forty five years old. Hmm. Mm. So there's certain things that happen during that time for, for men and women, particularly in um, in Western Western societies and in gynocentric so- social orders. So right around forty five years old. Like, remember, the, the, that graph is for women who have been on antidepressants for at least five years. So at least 40 till they're forty five and probably before that as well. So you've got those. Consider that. And then also consider that women are less happy as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And because we have provided them with all this security and yet they still want to be able to get what they think they deserve, which is the high value guy. Mm-hmm. I deserve the high value guy and I won't settle for anything less. And they don't have to settle for anything less they as don't. long as the perception that long term security will always be available to them. Yep. And that's what we have effectively done since 1965 when we started in the empowerment movement. So when it comes to when women come on this show and they're like, well, you know, I'll find a guy. I'm 28 years old. I'm still hot. Blah, blah, blah. I think I'm a 10. Right. Whatever it is. Well, we talk about how women's you know, egos have been inflated and everything. But we, what we don't do is we don't talk about the hubris. We don't talk about the entitlement. We don't talk about any complete lack of humility whatsoever mm-hmm. to get with the guy that they think that they deserve yes. as opposed to the guy that they're probably going to end up with anyways if they end up with anyone. And the reason why you get Giga Karen on here talking about like, well, I guess I'm going to die alone, right? Because she's like, I'm not, I won't stand for anything less, right? Yeah. The reason why she has that attitude is because she has a perception that long-term security is already made for her. Yep, exactly. It's always going to be there, uh, you know, freezing your eggs sperm donation. I make my own damn money. I've got my own career. I've got my own life. Uh, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Exactly. Yeah, I want to add to that as well. So mm-hmm. in layman terms of what's going on in today's society. <laughs> Spell it out for me in layman, this, right? layman terms. <laughs> we're in the game right now. So <laughs> there's girls out here, right? With boyfriends, legit boyfriends, seven, 10 years, even maybe even 20 years, right? Possibly. And they're getting the security of having, uh, you know, bills paid in a household from the boyfriend. However, they also have a sugar daddy mm-hmm. that makes them on trips, gives her the luxury lifestyle. Security. But she's playing both angles because she knows she can do it when she's young. Mm-hmm. When she gets older, she's thinking, oh, you know what? A guy that I'm having an affair with, the uh, you know, high-value guy, is going to take me and make me his, his own. Reality, like mm-hmm. you said before, they're not. So then they're going to be left to the streets. 
Yeah, because, thirty-five years old. Because what they are doing is they're trying to map what I've what I've called consolidate or they're double op- dipping. They're optimized. They're trying to optimize hypergamy in two different guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. and again, I've said this before because a lot of guys say, "Well, that's duplicitous, man. That's immoral. That's unethical for them to the say to say one thing and do another." Yeah, that's called the medium is the message. You'll find yeah. that in that book right there. Um, but but guys think that that's like there's this this sense of moral duty that women have. I, I keep saying, you know, women have no problem with cognitive dissonance. Yes, and particularly Facts. so. Well, and and particularly so if either one, like cognitive dissonance, is a conflict of two two different thoughts, holding two different conflicting thoughts at the same time, right? Yeah. Or, or or two beliefs or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And then trying to rationalize away. If both of those options that are conflicting both lead to an optimized hypergamy, women have no problem with Absolutely. that whatsoever. Yep. That's so, why women flake. So, That's why they always say it's a man's word, not a woman's word. word. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm a man of my word, not a woman of my word. I tell guys all the time, no problem. Women like. Men are taught do what's right. Women are taught do what's right for you guys. Now that's the difference. Here's a hey, this is a, a perfect example of this. Remember when the girls were on here and that you were talking about like, oh, I want you to stop uh, being an OnlyFans girl. I want you to uh, what would you what ladies? What would you say if I told you uh, if you were my girlfriend and I told you to uh, close your Instagram mm-hmm. because or why don't you close your Instagram organically out of genuine desire because you only want to be with me? Why would you not do that? And everyone and every girl gets their their fur gets up, yeah. you know because. They, because like, they, yeah, yeah, <laughs> because they don't want to do because they want to leave that option open. Absolutely, yep. right? Because they they can be with the, that one that one chick that was here. I think I asked you to ask her like how old she was and how yes. old the boyfriend yeah. was on on your text. Yeah. And the reason I asked that is because I wanted to see oh is it going to work out first of all and second of all it was like she was like really adamant about keeping her Instagram and keeping her options open and that's really all Instagram is. Yeah, dating in the in the United well dating right now and. Western societies in, on Instagram and in the social media age is brand management. And women understand that instinctively. Again, it's that cognitive dissonance. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, I want to – that's the cognitive dissonance. They, I, I can still have perfect boyfriend and I can still be online kind of sexy girl in case there's some other guy that's out there and I'm good with that. I'm okay with, with advertising my sexuality and my sexual agency. But I still want to be with this perfect guy, alpha fucks, possible alpha fucks with beta bucks, so the, the, the perfect security. I can't tell you how many girls are in our DMs with boyfriends right now. And it's like yeah. scary to me. Like, guys, they, they don't even know what's going on. Yeah. And it's like, just, just, just like you said. Cognitive dissonance that leads to an optimized hypergamy is, is no problem. We you don't know find any is? kind of rationale for that. We, 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 one in four women is on some kind of antidepressant or uh, anxiety medication. That's only the women that actually went to go see a psychiatrist. There you go. <laughs> That's true. That so we uh, transition over to... Oh, wait, um, let, uh, let, wait, let, oh, me, let me just... And this is the easiest. This is the easy one. For men, what's men's innate se- sexual strategy, right? What, were you going to ask me this? Oh, I was, I was Anyways, actually going to go Okay, sex. Good, yeah, sure. I was going to go into sex. So, so for men's innate ma- – so hypergamy is w- women's innate mating strategy. There are social buffers that have in- historically kept women from – you know, enduring the worst aspects of 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 hypergamy, right? There's the church and there's social stigma. Uh, yes. So it's not constraints on hypergamy. It, again, remember, hypergamy is not a straight jacket. Okay, so it's like I think, oh, well, I'm I'm doomed. Whatever. There used to be ways that we would limit and buffer the worst aspects of it. Those are more or less gone now yeah. because we it used to be religion and shame yeah. and the scarlet letter. And whenever all those other I, whenever I listen to religious trad cons like on Daily Wire or whatever, and it's some chick on there talking, you know, making a bill. Oh, it's Jesus, and you know, they want to make appeals to to morality and stuff like that. I I get why they want to do that because that used to be a buffer on 
women's sexuality. And women say, well, we were repressed. Yes, yes, you were. And there was a, there was a reason for that. There was a very good reason for that. So you don't get depressed. So you have a uh, lower rate of, of divorce. So we can create good, strong families with a mother and a father. There's so much that goes along with that. Yes, you were repressed. You know who else was repressed? Men were repressed too. Because we had responsibility to be masculine and man up and be a good provider and have all this other stuff that would go along with that. Yes, we had control. Yes, we had authority. But we use that authority. Ideally, I'm not saying men were perfect. They weren't. But they weren't tyrants all the time, right? And so they had authority to affect that responsibility that was a natural part of of patriarchy. And we wonder why women are depressed and and unhappy and higher rates of, you know, promiscuity and everything else. Mm -hmm. So that's that's that side. And then uh, to complete the whole thing for men, men's innate mating strategy is two things, (laughs) unlimited access to unlimited sexuality. That's all there is. And and guys will say, no, I want to have a good wife. And yeah, that's your mating strategy. But in your in a perfect world. You want, it would look like porn. That's yeah. why, that's why yeah. online porn is so popular. You want to know why guys are addicted? These guys are addicted to porn. Yeah. Yeah, of course they are. Unlimited access, unlimited sexuality. Yeah. That's exactly I why you're tell, addicted to porn. I always tell the ladies, uh, if, you, if you literally give a man a million dollars of blue check and a bunch of models, he's going to affect his sexual strategy and bang all those chicks. Men are monogamous <laughs> a lot of the time by necessity yep. and by the fact that they don't have other options. Mm-hmm. Men... We talk about truths on the male side and the female side, guys. A lot of the time, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A man is as faithful as his options, which is transitions perfectly. I just want to bring one point real quick. Oh. Just add to that as well, right? Yeah, go ahead. So, guys, golden nugget here. You want to know why some girls aren't on Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, on these uh, dating apps? Because Instagram is the biggest dating app in the world right now. Because once again, brand management, they don't want to be seen on those lesser apps. Yep. They want to be seen a lot of them in HD pictures, videos on Instagram. And it's so on the low, you would never even know. Like for example, let's say you're dating a a girl, right? Yeah, baby, I deleted my Tinder, my Bumble for you, whatever. But she has Instagram all the time open. Mm -hmm. It's for a reason. So she's marketing herself to other people. So once again, Instagram is one of the biggest dating apps in the world. Don't forget, we said it here on the podcast. Okay. And uh, so we're going to transition over now to... We set perfect segue right into female versus male promiscuity. Mm-hmm. Why uh, having sex with a lot of men ruins women, but versus it mm-hmm. doesn't ha- necessarily have the same negative effects on men. And and a lot of people, you know, want to say, oh, that's misogynistic. This is sexism, whatever it is. We're going to show you guys the stats on how sex significantly changes Sheesh. men uh, changes women versus men and it and uh how it has serious uh consequences and why religion and uh you know religion society etc since the beginning of time have done everything they can to repress female sexuality because we have what we have now where we have an epidemic of women that quite frankly aren't happy on pre- uh, prescription medication uh, that have the lowest sat- uh, satisfaction levels ever. So let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that. With uh, We talked about the sexual strategies, everything like that. So let's talk a little okay. bit about I, I, that. First and foremost, I realize we live in what I've termed as the TLDR generation, which is too long, didn't read. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so I, yeah, attention spans being what they are, uh, if you want a really deep dive into what I'm about to talk about, um, you have to read this book by Tim, <clears throat> excuse me, Dr. Tim Burkhead, which is called Promiscuity. Mm-hmm. And it goes into uh, how... Uh, animals, the animal kingdom, and not just human beings, but like everything, is pretty much the baseline. The the is is promiscuity amongst all kinds of all, all different species. There are very few species on planet Earth that aren't promiscuous in some way. There are very few species that don't find some sort of benefit in uh, getting uh, the best genetic specimen they can from one one 
mail and getting the best provisioning from another. And if you don't believe me, all you've got to do is look at the new studies about how a female, human female ovum will select between differing sperm in, at the fertilization site in the uterus. Mm. Uh, something that I, I, think I, I think I mentioned this one time before here. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. But the only reason why, something, why an evolutionary adaptation like that would, um, would exist is – if there were enough different sperm in the at the at the, the point of fertilization, that there would need to be an adaptation for that. And really, what it is, it's not like a, a you know, the, it's not like the the ovum says, "Oh, you and you." It's it's the the proteins and whatever it is that's around that that ovum. Again, I'm not a I'm not a uh, I'm not a reproductive scientist, <laughs> so, so you know, go look this up for yourself. But the ovum itself or secretes it's like a protein kind of thing, so it slows down certain sperm and it allows the other one to swim faster than the other one because it wants to select for that one instead of that one that only exists if there's different men's sperm at the site of fertilization you are not the father right uh-huh. so and I'm, the reason I'm, I'm starting with that is because whenever i talk about hypergamy or any of the things that i talk about it goes from micro to macro and that's the micro side of things right there so adaptations like that and there's other ones too but there are adaptations like that don't exist unless promiscuity made sense somewhere along the line. Uh-huh. Maybe it doesn't now, but it certainly did in the past. And we're still having to deal with the vestiges of what caused those things in the first place. So it is in women's best interest to be promiscuous, right? To get the best seed and to get the best need to get the best, the best sugar daddy that they can get while still keeping their options open on Instagram. So if the hot guy in the phone cannon party calls him up and says, hey, let's go and party tonight, I'll be right there. Right. <laughs> That's the that. So there's that balance. between, And why? Because of micro to macro. So if you look at the the biologic there, I usually whenever I'm, I'm coming up with our theorizing, let's just say I go from biological to the personal to the sociological. Okay, so the biological in this case is like the zygote and sperm and like what's in the innate interest uh, for men and women when it comes to breeding and, and, and reproduction. Then it's the personal. What's the best between you and the woman that you're with or the woman that you're gaming or what's what's good for her and what's good for you? That's the personal. And there's a sociological, religious, political, whatever. We can scale it up from there. But all of that goes all the way back down, excuse me, to the to the uh, to the biological. So that's the flow of sort of like, you know, coming up, you know, seeing the sort of the theme or the the order and the chaos, I guess. Mm-hmm. So as far as um men's men's uh, reproductive strategy is adversarial to women's. Men are technically are selected, okay? That means that they can breed a lot. As John from Modern Life Dating has has Coin uh-huh. the term ejaculate and evacuate, right? Mm-hmm. That in, in the evolution, in our evolutionary past, back on the savannah, but you know, back in pre sub Saharan Africa, that made sense. You want to know why guys can get a hard on when the wind blows when they're like 19 years old? Because they can breed really quickly and get the hell out of there. So you see the hot girl who is the centerfold. You see the girl who is who's attractive and arousing and you get a boner because she's like, oh, she's hot. She's half naked. Let's go. Let's go and hit it. The reason why men's sex response is always on is because it had to be in our evolutionary past. So when women say, oh, men are dogs or why is it okay for men to cheat and it's not okay for women to cheat? Well, the the reason for that is because men have a much higher um, investment in their own reproduction if they're following their own innate mating strategy. It's much more difficult for a guy to breed a lot and to breed well than it is for women because women are, like you always say, we say this a million times, they're the gatekeepers, they're the ones, that they're, they're the lock and you're the key, right? Yep. You have a shitty lock, you got a, a master key. We've, ta- we've talked about that about a bazillion times. So, yeah. um, so when, we're, when we're talking about the, uh, the R selection, men can breed a lot. We can, we can technically father a lot of children in one ejaculation, right? Yep. Women only have... Well, 
Sperm is cheap. Eggs are expensive. One kid per year. For right. them. Exactly. It was one, and it's one, so that's why the 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 barrier to entry, literally, <laughs> is is pretty high. Usually pretty high. That's why we, when it's pretty low, we go. You don't have any respect for yourself. You know because <laughs> and why why do we do that? Because biologically speaking, biological, personal, political, biologically speaking, if you're easy. That's not a you're not really a good bet for paternity. If anybody gets you, then why would I want to invest anything more than you know, a perfunctory lay with you? You know, why would I why would I do anything different? So for guys, when we, we talk about like uh, men's innate stri- uh, mating strategy, unlimited access to unlimited sexuality, that makes sense from men's mating strategy to hit it and quit it. To get in, get out, get done with as many women as, as humanly possible. Now, sociologically speaking, there's a lot of bad things that happen as a result of that. So yeah. we have to have a lot of control and we teach men, keep your dick in your pants, right? Keep your control. That's why there's a higher kind of standard for men when it comes to sexuality than there is for women. And women are going to lose their minds when I say that, but it's not women who are being caught with hookers. It's not female senators who are being caught with hookers <laughs> in hotel rooms or t- a female televangelists getting caught with, you know, being a sugar daddy, right? Yeah. That's not, but we would, we hold those men. We, we say, you must resign your position because that's sexual immorality, mister. And we don't expect that same level of justice or that same level of, in, you know, interest from women because we presume that women aren't as sexual as men. No, they are. They're very, and they have a, a much higher interest in it too because at the same time, women are K-selected, meaning they're looking for the best quality guy that they can get a hold of, that they can like – the, the high-value man you talk about all the time on this show. Right? Mm-hmm. That's part of the biological interests of women. So they have to find the best of the best and that best is two things, alpha fucks and beta bucks once again. So they're looking for that and they're, they're filtering you for that. you a graph on this by the way? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I had one for this. Okay. I know the R and K selection is yeah like R and K selection, and I I think that a lot of people don't like it when I say that because they think it makes them think that I'm saying that men and women are different species, yeah. <laughs> and we're not. I'm just saying the strategy is R selection and K selection. I'm not saying that innately humans are R or K. It actually depends on what their you know sociological and environmental conditions are at that particular time, but. If left to our own devices, it, again, why is pornography so popular? Because men are our selected. Exactly. You know, we want yep. the we want variety, but why do we want variety? Men universally pay for porn. No, w- women rarely do. Yeah, you know be, yeah, yeah. There's you know the strip clubs don't exist because women are so into strip clubs, yeah. right? They don't make it rain for you that know, entire because, industry would literally be bankrupt. OnlyFans, strip clubs, uh, pornography, whatever, it would be bankrupt if it relied on fem and on women to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would not. Nightclub happen. industries, everything. Sorry, go ahead. So you've got those two, and then um, I, I'm sorry, where were we at with the? We're talking about uh, female female promiscuity versus male promiscuity. Uh, so, the differences in how okay, it affects well, for, men and women. Okay, well, for men, yeah. uh, promiscuity makes sense because. Uh, our selection hit it and quit it promiscuity for women is different cuckoldry is the the name of the game for women get the guy who is the hottest guy that they can get with breed with that's the sexy sons theory because the sexier the guy is then that she reproduces with who great. came up with that theory again what's her name um psychologist i forget i'll look it up I'll look yeah it up. It's sexy yeah. sons theory it's it's actually you could find it on google easy enough yeah. but it's it's yeah. basically that woman wants the best genetic specimen because her sons will grow up to breed with the next best genetic specimen. Okay, not that's not just about humans. It's about a lot of different things, a lot of different animals. Patrick J. Weatherhead? I might have been. And him. Raleigh J. Robertson mm-hmm. of Queens University in Kingston, Ontario. Yeah, so sexy sons theory is, is another one. Um, so, so it makes promiscuity for men and women make sense. We are promiscuous animals by nature. We are monogamous 
by our behavior, by our, by our sociology, right. by what works best for us. So even Muslims, you only get four. Yeah. You don't get unlimited yeah, access. You don't get unlimited, and you're yeah. not supposed to, like, as far as I know, you're not supposed to be jerking out the porn either. But you get four, great. But you're limited to four. And that's an option as far as I, Abu American was telling me about that when I was writing. Yeah, um, there's a check and balance this. on it. You need to be able to support each one financially the same. Right. right. Again, patriarchy. You have to be, you, you get four chicks. Nice. Yep. All right. It's not <laughs> like you're having an orgy with all four of your wives. Yeah. But you get to bang four different women yeah. and you have four different families as a result of that. But you are also, ideally speaking, you're also responsible Financially for the children, for the women and everything else. And as a Muslim man, you have responsibility, but you also have the authority yes. over those women to affect the choices you would need to have the responsibility in exactly. the first place. Yes. Yep. So so that's that, that's the pro- and again yes I people are going to say well what about uh society war torn societies tend to be the ones that have polygamy or polygamy yeah. like polygamy uh, as the the basis, and you are right. That, yeah, that is statistically true. Yes. true, and that's why monogamy has been sort of the default for the worldwide kind of. It's how the United States was built. That's why we're so yeah, and that's post agrarian now too. So yeah. it's not like you know Father Abraham had two wives and four concubines or whatever it is. You know, um, it's it's not like. Um, it, it, it makes better sense, sociologically speaking, that betas can actually reproduce because yes. if they don't, what happens is betas form co- beta males form coalitions because they can't get laid and they can't reproduce. And that creates an existential crisis for men, yeah. right? Because they need to be able to reproduce. If And so you, that's why you get the soulmate myth. That's why you get one-itis. That's why you get like Shakespearean love stories like there's only one girl out there for me. That is the result. We need mythology like that to enforce socially enforced monogamy. We have yes. to teach us that there, we have to have these romantic, like Romeo and Juliet, right? We had to go to the grave for this one person, only one person in the world for a soulmate, right? Uh, it was eHarmony. E- oh, have you seen, oh man, have you guys seen, uh, maybe you haven't, on, on Netflix, there's a, um, a series called The One. And it's, it's, I, I, people kept telling me, Wait, I, I don't know if I wanted to are watch you lo- it or in not. a room? No, 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 no. It's, it's a series. And what it is is it's these technologists who figure out biologically or hormonally how to track down the, the perfect person for you, right? There's this perfect person. You live in Los Angeles, California, and she lives in uh, South Africa or something like that. And they pair you up and they have your match. And it's like proven, like scientifically proven that this is your one soulmate. And there has never been in the history of mankind a more damaging like fantasy than the idea that that is even a possibility right. whatsoever. Cause and then they're like coming up with homosexual matches and everything else too, because you're biologically, hormonologically, pheromonally, whatever matches for one another. The agenda. But that is how endemic the soul, the soulmate myth is. Yeah. They still believe in it today. We still really like the one that got away alpha widows, right? Mm-hmm. I just did a, a thing on alpha widows. I did another thing on war brides not too long ago, but alpha widows, like the one that got away. If I just could have got with my one, right? Yeah. It's like the end of, uh, of the what, uh, Titanic where Rose is dropping the heart to Jack at the bottom of the thing. It's like, it doesn't matter that the guy that she spent most of her life with pretty much funded her, you know, alpha widowhood for the guy at the bottom of the ocean right now. But that's the, it's the, that's the romantic nature and that's the mythology that keeps monogamy as the standard that is still going on today. Yeah. Now, it protects both genders yeah, it almost does. from themselves because it allows the men 
sexual access so they have something to work towards and something to create for. I always say mm-hmm. a man's children are his greatest motivation to get up in the morning and work hard. Mm-hmm. And it cre- it keeps women from acting out on, you know, trying to get the best and all the men. Because I always say, if you allow, leave hypergamy to its own devices, kind of like how it is now with, with the, you know, the global sexual marketplace and liberation, whatever, what happens is all the power goes to the high value men. And these mm-hmm. guys are just going to have sex with the women and kick them to the curb. Which creates, you know, the destabilization, like we were saying before. Mm-hmm. Family units create stable societies. That's how the United States was built yes. in the 1950s with nuclear families, with monogamous men and monogamous women working towards a goal of raising children in a uh, in a safe household. Yeah, and that's a, that also gets back to kin altruism and tri- human tribalism. And I will put this out there right now because I hear Tim Pool like butchering this constantly. Okay, let's do or it. Or I get it from uh, I get it from uh, from Jordan Peterson occasionally. Everybody's okay. against tribalism or tribal identity. Or we should just ban tribalism. Tribalism in human beings is a feature. It's not a bug. Okay, your first tribe is your family, the woman you may you you made love to, the woman who bore your children and has half of your genes in that. That's your first tribe right there. Human beings will always form tribes. This right here is a tribe, okay? Mm-hmm. The band I play in is a tribe. The guys you work at, you got workout partners, the guys that you see at the gym all the time, that's your workout tribe. We will always form coalitions. We will always form tribes. Tribalism in human beings is a feature, not a bug. Can it be a bad thing? Absolutely. Absolutely can be, particularly when gangs. it's like, yeah, gangs, when it's, when it's a tribal identity that above all else. But the thing is, is the reason why gangs work and the and the reason why the las vegas golden knights kicked the abs ass last night is because they're a tribe that sports team is a tribe and it's this brotherhood you, you ever watch band of brothers right you ever watched uh, you, if you've ever been you've been in the military right like, oh, no 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 never well if you've, if you've been on deployment it's like the guys who like can't get enough of being on deployments because they want to go back to their tribe they want to go back to the guy I can't let my guys down I, i'm gonna re-enlist so i can get back in my squad right there's that's the tribalism and, and it's different for men and it's different for women but they're still that tribalism that is a part of all of that. And I don't think that that's something that you necessarily want to pull out of the human, right? You can take the human out of the tribe, but you can't take the tribe out of the human. And I've, that's very important, I think, in a, in a sexual marketplace perspective as well, but also in a sociological uh, perspective too. Mm. Cool. Okay. So can we talk real quick about marriage and uh, divorce and how, I guess, as because we talk, we talk, there's so many debates about how female promiscuity affects marriage and her ability to pair yes. bond all this other oh, stuff. Oh yes, yes, yes. Let's yes, let's yes. have this definitive okay. conversation right now about. It. I don't know if you want us to pull up any graphs here as far uh, as yeah. There I was one do. I know that I know we had one in there. Yeah. Um, well, this is where this is where things get real dicey because yeah. when and I hear you you bring this up occasionally when you're doing your. Um, let me hold this up real quick. I hear this occasionally when you get okay. That's this is from the GSS. That's the GSS study. We'll get to that. Yeah. That's that's the that's the uh, that that technically proves uh, the Pareto principle. Um, uh, back back so yeah, marriage. Back. That's single motherhood. Yep, single motherhood. Oh, yeah, we still got to cover that going. too. Uh, this okay. is those are the births. Uh, did I give you the right one? Let me hold on. Oh, it's a link, something. actually. Yeah, I know, oh, yeah, it's I know, the link. I, I know it's a link. I know right. which one it is. So let me let me just well, yeah, while, you, while, you're, while you're digging it up, let me let me throw this in out there. Okay, like the, the video, guys. Okay, this is another thing. Is whenever we're talking about uh, that's the marriage rates, not that one. Uh, the sexually uh, scroll oh, up happy happy. Yeah, there we go. Of martial happiness. Cool. Yeah, oh, there we go. Yeah, okay. Now, uh, granted, this is I, IFS, so bear with me. I know that they're like kind of this conservative, you know, religious kind of thing, but the stats are, are legit for this. Um, 
Does sexual history affect marital happiness? Yes, it does. It does in many different ways. Um, the first way is that uh, women rep- women with higher lay counts, with higher notch counts, body counts, whatever it is, uh, above 10 uh, tend to ha- live less satisfying lives, right? They tend to report more unhappiness. They tend to report more marital unhappiness when they do get married. Uh, they tend to have higher incidence of depression. They also um, – what was the other one? Uh, oh, they also have higher incidence of divorce, as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So and this is in women. So women with higher notch counts, higher lay counts right now, higher incidences of, of casual sex. Um, there was a I, I think I put the, I think I gave you this one, but there's a um, maybe it's right here. It's a, the percentage of adults who have like different uh, different lay counts. If you go back to like, say, the 90s, it's different than it is in 2021, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on average, um, women had something like four and men had something like seven, uh, seven lay counts. So like maybe three more than most women on average as, as an average. So if you've had more than seven women, gentlemen, you're above, you're above average in some way. All right. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, but as far as, uh, clinical depression is concerned, as far as, um, as incidents of divorce is concerned, uh, as far as uh, marital happiness or just overall happiness, depression levels are much higher amongst women who have higher lay counts. Mm. And you can also see – I'll tell you what's – it's not so much when, – when I'm focusing on stats like this, it's not like the girls who have like 10 or 12 or above lay counts that I focus on. It's the ones that have zero because those are the women who report the least amount of marital unhappiness. I waited until marriage before I got before I had sex, and now I'm very very happy. Now, The Atlantic has done a lot of uh, a lot of um, uh, articles on this as well. It's like basically it's like what you, it's like ignorance is bliss, right? You don't know mm-hmm. what you, if you don't know what you're not getting, then then of course you're going to be happy, right? So there's that there's that aspect of it too, and that again goes back to the. Um, the difference between local sexual marketplace versus global sexual marketplace. So okay. if you've got a woman who had zero, zero notch count and she had a baby when she was like 21 years old mm-hmm. and she didn't know what she's missing, if you can get her to the epiphany phase and she doesn't know what she's missing, she's probably going to have a pretty decent life if the guy is invested in their long-term security and everything else. And mm-hmm. she seems to have balanced the hypergamous equation. Right? Yeah. So – but if she doesn't do that or if she does that and she's still involved in like say Instagram or on social media and she's seeing that her sisters and her girlfriends are all out doing girls night out in Vegas partying with, with – Seeing the grass is guys. potentially greener on the other side. Yeah, exactly. The and hypergamy it, itches it, – yeah, it starts it's, to it's come. Making up for missing out is what yeah. it ends up being. Oh, be, I'm with this joker. Why would I be with him? Like, you know, my, my sisters got, got it with like 10 other guys and it's, it's uh, eat, pray, love, right? Divorce your husband. You'll have a better life yep. kind of thing. And um, it's called divorce porn. That's yep. what it is. <laughs> And um, so I'm more interested really in women who have like the zero partner count or the one partner count before they get with with a with a guy. Also, I want to say this is that um, and this uh, isn't to say that women that uh, have a higher notch count can't get married and have a long term relationship. No, absolutely. But not. operating guys, we operate on probabilities here, you know, not possibilities. Okay, so, yeah. uh, you know, the, the probability that she probably wouldn't be. The best, uh, I guess, how do I say this, candidate for a long-term relationship and or marriage, mm-hmm. the highest investment on the male side, are fairly high, mm-hmm. directly proportional to her um, uh, her past sexually. So, so and, my, I'll and, go ahead. And think about it, right? If she's had partners in the past, right. she might have had an imprint that, right. that stood That's there where I was going to go. That's the time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. think about this. Uh, Facebook chats, Snapchat, all those conventions where they can reach back out to that partner that gives them that imprint. 
can state that it has you know right. it's, it's, a it's not a numbers game it's an alpha imprint game yep. I, i've written about this i i just did a, a what is it alpha widows an alpha widows show and i talked about this is it's you can get a woman who has only four partners if one of those partners was like the best alpha it was like jason momoa right like mm-hmm. that's a, she's going to remember that guy for the rest you always for remember your first right She's always going to be sort of the alpha widow of that one guy. BBC. Does it matter that she had four or does it matter she had 10 if she's imprinted on a guy who's very strong alpha that she's never going to forget in the rest of her life? So is it a numbers game or is it an alpha imprint game? Now, here's the role. This is me spitballing. This is me, not statistics. But if a woman has 100 partners out of those 100, how many of them are Jason Momoa? Right. How many of those are the guy that left an imprint on her that you have to be the one to sort of be – the guy who outdoes that. That's the benchmark, right? That's mm-hmm. the metric by which she's going to measure all the other guys past that because if she doesn't, she's going to be pining for that guy as her alpha widow. Exactly. So that's why this is me thinking like sort of like connecting the dots here because they never do this in these studies. They All they do is they just look for a reporting of like depression or I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy, right? Yeah. Or, or the divorce rates and everything else. They never try to find the correlation because it's unflattering to female nature yeah. if they do so and that doesn't feel Sex- it doesn't feel good. Stop it. Stop connecting those dots. Right. So what happens is you get you get the idea. The idea is this is that if there's an alpha imprint on that one woman, it doesn't matter. If she had it could be one previous lover. If that guy was so so much of a badass that she's he's been ruined for every other man afterwards. Certainly, yeah. certainly the betas who would want to be the ones to step up and take care of her and everything else. You know, that's how you get the the end of Titanic. Again, like Rose, she the, the one her heart will go on. My heart will go on, right? She drops the the diamond thing into the at the bottom of the ocean kind of thing, like giving her as she dies at like ninety years old or something. And you see all of the her past life that was afforded to her by the guy, the rich guy that she ended up marrying. But now she's Amelia Earhart and she rode English horses and she was you know a suffragette or whatever. She lived this really great life, but. Not because she was really in love with the guy that she was with. She was really in love with the dead guy, the alpha that she could never get over and her heart will go on. She dies and that's the end of the that's the end of the romantic thing. So um, as far as promiscuity is concerned, uh, that so that's one side. That's a female side. The male side is this is men do not suffer from those same maladies that women do. And women will say that's terrible. That's unfair. Yeah, you're right. It is unfair. Because men and women are different. Sorry, not sorry. That's the double. Now that's the double standard of how come guys are how come guys are um, uh, superheroes if they bang a lot of women? Because it's hard for guys to bang a lot of women, right? You have to be an alpha for women to want to get with you in the first place, so you can have a higher notch count to begin with. So you know and you understand women. You're a natural. You're lucky with the ladies, kind of thing. But what happens? And and this is these are statistical studies. Is this is because men's brains are not wired the same way. For emotion, we can separate the sex act from the emotional investment. And so don't believe me? Why is pornography a multi-bazillion dollar juggernaut online right now? Because men can separate the sexual aspect of it from the emotional aspect of it. Women can't do that because they have a higher investment cost. They have to fall in love. I have to feel right. The moon has to align with the stars. There has to be the right humidity in the room. I have to feel comfortable with you. What are, all these things have to have to fall in line for for her to want to you know get with you, at least in the long term is concerned, right? Because usually it's like she wants to bang the hot guy in the foam cannon party. That's like a, a prime opportunity. But when you're looking at long-term investment, when you're looking at uh, you know starting a life with that person, for men, 
the consequences or the bad side of promiscuity is far, far diminished from what women's is. And mm. again, women will say that's horribly unfair. That's sexist. Yes, because reality is sometimes sexist. Yep. Because reality has a sexist bias at sometimes, and sometimes you're the woman and you're on the losing end of that. And yep. most times, when you're a guy, sometimes you're on the losing end of that as well. Oh boy, here we go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple months ago, right? Rolo said to us, "Hey man, we got a present for you guys coming soon in the mail." So we're waiting, waiting, waiting. And then one day we get packaged from Brazil. We're like, oh shit, it's a bomb. What is this? I thought you, I thought you were going to like drown it in the sink or something. And this is from Myron. <laughs> I thought it was like cocaine or something. This is from like, Myron, the, the Punisher. Yeah, thank you, Rolo. In figurine. Yeah. You, you can open this again. Well, you always yeah. talk about the Punisher. You always you talk about, like, oh, he's, uh, you're, you're, you're hulking up. You're whatever, whenever you're about to kick one of these girls off, it's like, oh man, here. And, sure. and I'm watching the chat because you guys can't watch it go, you know, streaming up all the time. And I'm watching the chat and they're like, oh man, he's oh, getting off. Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm scared. I don't want to open it because it's like a figurine. Shut roll man. It's value? a collectible. No, 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 no. Nah. Open it up. Put okay, it up. okay. Put it on there. Well, I, well, uh, I open it's it. from Brazil. How much could it be worth? You can show it from the outside, no? Okay, yeah, I can show it from the outside. I'll open it up while we continue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is pretty I, sick, uh, actually. Let me tell you the story behind that. I I ordered that because I knew you guys were coming up on 100000 Mm-hmm. Uh, for your for your sub count, I was hoping it would get here on the time that you got you crossed a hundred thousand. I was just about accurate, but by the time you got you got it, it you were already at one hundred and twenty thousand. Yeah. And then by the time you guys had your one hundred thousand party at whatever, <laughs> you're already at two hundred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, just, man, um, I hope he likes it. So, <laughs> um, we still got to cover um, abortion and single fathers versus sure. single mothers. Sure. Um, so let's uh, let, so we talked about promiscuity, how it affects men and women differently. Let's hit. Mm-hmm. Um, Abortion and uh, single mothers and single fathers, because it kind of ties into it anyway. Okay. Um, you have to remember that abortion has a function to it. Um, Do you want us to pull up a study, by the way, on that one? Let me let me build it up real quick. Um, so uh, I've said, I've gone on record. I've said this a million times on Twitter. Abortion is the ultimate expression of hypergamy. Yes. There's nothing that says he's not the right guy, like the unilateral ability to end a pregnancy, his pregnancy, his genetic legacy in utero. Okay, so it's a, 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 a. You have to remember what is abortion. Abortion is a fail-safe against bad reproductive choices for women. That's what it ends up being. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, women will say, "Well, what about rape? Um, what about forced? Let's address that. What about forced sexual copulation? Okay. There's a. That's, oh, a, that's good, a good. That's a good okay. one. Let's keep that one. Use on, that one right? in the future. Okay. What about forced sexual copulation? Clever. Um, so when you look at statistics, and there's not a lot of statistics, when I'm looking up for st- stats for this, um, there are very few stats for the reasons why women have abortions. One of them happens to be Florida. Florida actually, the state of Florida says, okay, you can have legal abortion, but you have to at least fill out a questionnaire and tell us why you're having this abortion. Okay, There are very few states in the union that do that because they don't want to be intrusive. Or Again, we live in a psych, uh, gynocentric social order. Legislation says, how dare you? You're not supposed to ask these questions. Florida does. All right, They don't give a shit. So – as if we're going by Florida and some of the other, st- there's a few other states as well. Yeah, to collect this so, data. so Florida collects this data, and if you look at the uh, the reasons why women have abortions, the incidence of rape is like one point four percent. Oh wait, hold on. <laughs> 
For all these angry feminists that get mad when I say that abortion is 100% a woman's choice and, you know, mm -hmm. they're the ones that, if you it's have a kid, it's your fault. It's not quite 100, you know? but it's damn close. Yeah, <laughs> like, because um, they, they use, they use yeah, the grape are, as yeah. a, oh, well, what if she's graped? And yeah. that okay. literally makes up, like, what right. what, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the incidence of rape, um, sorry, God. Uh, the incidence of forced sexual copulation um, is so low that it is almost statistically insignificant when it comes to overall reporting of why am I getting an abortion, okay? Yep. Uh, another one is what if there is a danger to the woman's, you know, if she could die in prayer? Okay. That's and fair. I'm not saying for That's both fair. of those reasons, I can even, I can, yeah, okay. We can, of course. We can, Understandable. Not, and remember, okay. I, have to, I should have prefaced with this. I'm not for or against rape. I'm a, about analyzing it and figuring out what is the latent purpose of it. Okay, mm -hmm. objective reality. We have a, an obligation to objective. Uh, Let's take the truth. feelings out and look at the numbers. Push the push the feelings Obviously, aside. Obviously, rape is horrible. Yes, but it is. I'm not. I'm not endorsing it. I'm not in saying. You know, I'm not endorsing it as a sexual strategy. I'm not saying it's good. It's right. Whatever. I'm not saying that. Okay, but what I am saying is that statistically speaking, most abortions are elective. Yes. They are, and as far as Florida is concerned, ninety-three or nine to ninety-four percent of abortions are the choice of the mother. No other. There's they. I think they said incest. They said um, and uh, a danger to the mother, and then there was a forced copulation. And, uh, and there's another one. This I totally. Can't uh, this and all this aggregated was nine percent. You said total something like that. It was close. All to, of them it was, together. It was okay. close to like uh, it, not even nine. I think it was like more like. Eight or seven, somewhere okay. around there. But, anyways, as far as as far as the forced copulation is concerned, um, it, it's and I'm, again, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to. I'm not even saying you shouldn't be able to have an abortion if you want to. I'm just saying that the reasons that we give when we talk about abortion, when we look at what the function is, what's the latent purpose of it, is it is a failsafe for bad reproductive choices. Yes, overwhelmingly a failsafe for bad reproductive choices. Now, ladies, if you're watching this and you're getting upset, I'm not saying you shouldn't have that choice. I'm just saying those are the reasons why you have it. That's what the function of it is. And there's not again, there's nothing that empowers women more than one, hormonal birth control, and number two, being able to to have a failsafe like that so I can back out of a bad idea a bad reproductive choice if I want to. There's other ones too, right? That child support is also another one. Well, I'm going to have the kid, but at least I'll have money coming in from from the parent, whether he's the actual <laughs> biological father or not. It's is you know maybe it's in my interest, maybe it's not. Mm. But so you've got the uh, you've got the the failsafe of abortion. That's why I keep saying that it is the ultimate expression of hypergamy. Because if women say they want to back out of it, men don't have a choice. We don't like. How many times have you heard this? Whenever they're talking and they're going to be talking Woman about it. argued with me about it just uh, like two weeks ago. It's abortion is right. equal. It's equal. Fail, uh, it's it's a man's fault, too. And I'm to, like, no. To the tango. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's your fault because you have 100 percent control. You put. Yeah. You have the control. Once the sperm leaves your body, women are in control of your sperm. 100 percent. Even sometimes even when it doesn't. Right. Yeah. I, I've, I've used incident. And I, I did an episode on this not too long ago about um, the incidence of uh, if you have like a. Um, if you break up with your wife and you've already given a sperm sample for like a fertility clinic, your yeah. wife can still use that sperm sample to impregnate herself and you are on the hook Absolutely. for that. The for NBA the, that, released a yes. controversial letter back, I think, in 2015 telling the NBA players that they need to um, flush condoms flush down the, condoms, down, 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 down the toilet. Because they'll whip it up in, in um, them. To yeah. protect the players from getting, uh, you know, by from women impregnating themselves to try to get a check. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so yeah. there's, there's an incentive 
There are incentives and there are disincentives for women to get pregnant. If they don't want to get pregnant, they don't have to be pregnant. If they don't want to, if they want to be as protected as they can be with hormonal birth control, then they can do that. For men, it's not necessarily the same thing. So guys say, well, because again, why do we have this this onus on men for the responsibility of sex? Well, you had you couldn't keep it in your pants. If men could just keep it in their pants, then they would be then there wouldn't be any abortions. If they weren't having good fun sex that we give them, then we wouldn't get pregnant. Well, yeah, does it take two to tango? Absolutely, it does. But it only takes one to abort a child, Bam. and that's the woman who does it. Her body, her choice. And when and you're going to see this come up, by the way, in uh, in September because the Supreme Court of the United States is going to take up the Mississippi abortion law that's now on the books right now. They've officially stated that they're going to look at it. And between now and right, I think probably around September, sometime in the fall, when they when they hear this case, uh, um, what is it? Uh, Mississippi has decided that they, you can't have an abortion past like the third trimester. Like that's it. So first, second trimester, you can abort it. Third trimester, no, because there's a heartbeat, blah, blah, blah. Okay. They're saying, you know, there's a religious emotional investment in this too. So whenever you talk about abortion, every woman that's watching this in the comments here is going to approach this from an emotional perspective because yeah. they're like, that's violation. I don't want to be. It's my body. So what they do is they conflate abortion with forced sexual copulation. Yeah. First of all, statistically speaking, that's not why abortion happens. Yep. And even if it does, it still backs up the presumption that it is a fail safe. So even if you had forced sexual copulation, you have the fail safe of aborting the child if yeah, you want. It doesn't there. invalidate anything that I've just said. Yeah. So so you've got that going on. And the Supreme Court is going to hear this very soon. And so between now and say the fall, very you're going to see this ramping up of uh, abortion rights. And and it's like, what right don't you have? You, yep. don't, you, you can still and they want to make it now. Of course, it is a right. And now we're going to make it a human right. And now it's a and that's why women celebrate. Right. In all types of countries when abortion is passed. So mm-hmm. real quick, because I know we're tight on time here, sure, sure, Rolo. Sure. Could we talk about the myth of equality between men and women, power couples, uh, mm-hmm. equal partnerships, all these egalitarian concepts within, a con- within the confinements of a relationship between a man and a woman? Sure. Mm-hmm. I-, I think we touched on this a little bit earlier last, when yeah, I was yesterday. talking about um, egalitarianism. I, I have in, in this book, actually, I have a chapter in book four called The Lie of Equality. Yep. And when you say and that that sound and yes, I am trying to aggravate you with that title, so you will read the book. So you actually read that I chapter. Yes, uh, so break it down for them. He doesn't believe in equality. How dare him? He must be a supremacist. Let's define equality first. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. That's that's exactly the premise of the, the book. Yeah, right? exactly. Because yep. when we talk about equality, it sounds like something we should all be agreeing about. Like, well, we all want to be more equal. And you just said equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome. Exactly. Okay? Equality of outcome usually leads to tyranny. It usually leads to quotas. It usually leads to a less productive society, it usually leads to it, it might make you feel good because retribution and restitution, but it's not a, a functional, pragmatic way, a logistical way to do things to run a society when you have equality of outcome. So that's number one. Number two is the why, why do I say that I don't believe in equality? Because equality is one of these, uh, as Ryan Stone would say, is a container word. You can put whatever you want to into the term equality. So whenever someone says, well, you don't understand feminism. Feminism is just about equality. No, it's not. And I can prove it to you on a daily basis by any neck, by the next story that's coming up that when, when we see how uh, a, the, the standard of justice for men and women is different, that is not equality. And there 66% more time men serve yes, for the same crime. For the same crimes. We want to talk about equality. And then, of course, I, I always relate it to 
to the, the rash, the endemic of, of uh, female teachers who are forcing sexual copulation on their male students yep. as, as old as 12, 13, 14 years old. Yes, that is what's known, and I will say the word, statutory rape, because that's the legal definition of what that is. Mm-hmm. We won't say that, and everybody who criticizes, oh, my, I wish I would have had a teacher like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if you had a male teacher who sends just an inappropriate text to a woman, yep. to a, a, a student, a 14-year-old girl, he is never going to work again. He's done in his entire life. Yeah, the, he's going uh, to jail, too. Women who, uh, female teachers, and again, remember we were talking about how 77% of teachers in public schools are female? Yeah. And then people say, how come there's this, this rash of, of women who are, you know, statutory rapists with these, with these young men? Because seventy seven percent of yeah. your teachers yeah, are gonna seriously. are gonna yeah you know, like statistically speaking, yeah. it's a pretty good chance that that's gonna happen if it's gonna happen at all. And that's just the ones they find out about. Exactly the ones exactly. that don't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most, but most of the yeah, guys, man. That's my teacher. I got him free. So, but yeah, because again, you want to talk about the standards, right? We were just talking about this a second ago. Why is it that like guys are superheroes when they can have sex when they want? to well we say that's a double standard until the 14 year old kid is knocking it out with the 24 year old teacher and then they go man what a lucky guy how is that any different than the double standard you were just talking about a minute ago with you know a gatekeeper or a key master and gatekeeper whatever mm-hmm. uh, so we don't see it we don't look at it in those terms it takes takes role tomasi to connect those dots so you guys will be you know we'll think about that but so there's the the justice side of things and uh so that's the equality side so when people say well what well, feminism is only about equality no it's not it's not even about gender parity anymore because we've already reached gender parity a long time ago if anything we're leaning farther over towards the female side of things than we are with the men that's why when i look at zero hedge and they're saying you know uh, economic stagnation affects men more than it does women they'll find in the gynocentric social order the they the mainstream media will find some way to spin that so men are dying but women are most affected right that's what you're going to hear if there's any stat that affects men adversely like what is it uh three and a half to five percent uh or to uh, out of all uh was it three out of was it uh five out of ten or figure what it is uh oh no it's it's uh men kill themselves three to three and a half to five times more often oh, than yeah. women do they're far more likely to be successful as well okay women s- try but they, they, they yeah rarely they, they attempt do it. it they attempt it yeah. more but men are more successful at yeah. it right and they're usually successful out of a, a particular demographic at a particular time in their lives we don't we don't give a rat's ass about that Right. We, we write that off. There's no article that doesn't get clicks. Right. We don't want to talk about that. But if I said, uh, you know, men off themselves at five times the rate of women, women most affected, that will get clicks yep. that yep. women will go. Oh, well, let me let me see what Hillary that's all Clinton about. Said that uh, women are the biggest uh, victims yeah. of war. Yeah. The, the, the primary victims of war are, are women and children. I yeah. think is what, what she was saying. And I'm just like, stupid. OK. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, however, you can spin that. So. Yeah. So that's is that equality? Is, the, is, she got is a round that, of applause on that. She, yeah. got, she got a round of applause. Oh, Anything that spins it where vi- wi- women are the victims and mm-hmm. you know we we're, we're championing championing women, mm-hmm. you're going to get an applause because yeah. it's. Anything that's, that that uh, represses female sexuality doesn't acknowledge women as equals to men, uh, etc. It's it's always going. The, Strong, the female way of female going is the correct way of going. Period. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So oh, let, let me let me put the I'll put the the dot at the end of this sentence here. Yeah. Is is this is e- equality? The way we think about equality right now. Um, we have it's it's subjective. We make it whatever suits our our narrative, whatever suits our ideology, and 
So, and then finally, the last thing is this, is that equality as the way that it's explained today is uh, presented um, in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So it, equality only works if uh, everything, if all things are equal. It only works if um, if everybody is playing on the same by the same rule set on the same team or or whatever, right? Equality is only a thing according to you know what 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 the challenge that is presented to it. I told you this yesterday. If I want to, I, I I'm male. I'm biologically male. My my pronouns are he and her, right? If if I go and I want to have a baby, that's very unfair. That's very unfair to me. That's very unequal to me because the challenge is me giving birth. I can't do that. I'm biologically male. I don't have the parts to do that. So I can complain about that or I can live with that and live the best life that I can. Most women want to change the game and they don't want to play the game better. They want that world to accommodate them and rather than them playing it better than than they have been, right? They don't want to be good players of the game. They want to lower the nets in the WNBA, right? They, <laughs> yeah, say, yeah, seriously, they want they want to change the nature of the game. That's what they did in the in the NBA. It's like they want in the early days of the WNBA. They wanted they were talking about lowering the nets because the ladies couldn't dunk, yeah. right? And that they thought, well, if the ladies can dunk, then more people will come in. And it's not the, that's not the case. Like the soccer, that what is that purple hair soccer girl? Yeah, she wanted yeah. equal yeah. pay. Equal pay. And I'm like, well, fuck that, man. I'm gonna go. How I demand equal pay for my my male all only fan site then yeah. how come i can't get it that's a because the challenge is i need i want to be i want to make a hundred thousand dollars a month on only fans just as rolla tomasi how come i can't do yeah, that exactly. i'm gonna pictures yeah. you don't see me suing only fans saying i want you to give me a hundred thousand dollars a yep. month because you that's endemic sexism i the that would they i would be laughed out of the out they of, would but we don't laugh out what's her face uh the from female soccer players yeah, yeah, yeah. for who, who by the way I'm going to go there, get destroyed by high school boys. Yeah. The yeah. reason why, you know, female sports is a joke. And yeah, I'm going to say that it's a joke because from a physicality standpoint, now we're talking about sports and athletic uh, ability. Hmm. So if we're going to talk about human performance, period, female sports is a joke. Go ahead. Quote me on that. It is a fucking joke because if we're going to talk about humans in general, hmm. they are inferior when it comes to athletics and performance from a physicality standpoint. Hmm. There's a reason why people pay to go to NBA games and to NFL games, and they don't pay to go to MLS. And as a mm-hmm. matter of fact, female MLS or female WNBA or whatever it may be. And the reason for that is because even women want to see the best of what human genetics can do. Can and do. unfortunately, it is male. The thing mm-hmm. is this. A lot of women want equality of outcome mm-hmm. instead of equality of opportunity. And here's the thing. Just by having different standards for men and women is inherently unequal because now we have to change standards for women for the military. A man has to do, what, 50 push-ups? A woman can only do 20 and pass. That in itself already destroys the premise of equality right. because we've, we're changing standards around mm-hmm. to accommodate women. And I argue that when you do that, especially with something like the military, sports or whatever, you decrease right the quality of whatever's going on especially when it involves combat sports or whatever it is changes the game completely and i yeah. agree with you they don't want equality they want the rules to change for their benefit and that's just not mm-hmm. the way it works because and i love your only fans because they're used to example they're, exactly. they're used to the world changing for them yeah, yeah. because why wouldn't it that i don't see sterling crying saying i i don't i don't make a hundred thousand dollars on only fans is bs i don't see him protesting in washington dc because mm-hmm. men live in a fact-based reality well, men men must become women just are yeah. and yeah. so when the world doesn't work for women they 
as as a woman, they just are. They expect the world to be just are. Right. Yep. They just they expect it to to cater to to them. Uh, the other thing you're looking at right now is transgender in sports right now. And so when oh, we when that's we coming to bite them back exactly. So yeah. again, it's the same. That is actually the same argument you were just making in the military. The objective reality doesn't change. It's not. That's the way of the world, right? You know, the yep. shark eats you if you're in the water. Okay, exactly. that's the that's the objective reality. Okay, you can't swim as fast as a shark. It's got teeth. It eats you. Okay, yep. that's it's horribly unfair, but that's what's going to happen. Exactly. And so when we put um, when we put biological males into like say women's wrestling, and we say, oh, but I'm really identify as a woman, right? Yeah, you're gonna you're risking injury first of all for exactly. for in, in something like that, and the second of all, what that is is that is a stark contrast of between change the game versus play the game better. Guys say a, a biological male says, "Fine, I'm a like Zuby did this. He 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 did, he did the the deadlifting. He's a yeah. deadlifting champion, female deadlifting champion because he goes into the competition says I'm a, I'm identifying as a woman today. Yeah. Goes in, kicks every woman's ass in that whole competition. Goes home with the trophy and then says I'm a man again. And that's the biological <laughs> that's the biological reality. Being being you know <laughs> crashing into social constructionism. This you know this emotionalism. We want to feel good. We want to have these people come in and, and compete on on, a, on their own level. But the fact is, is that they want the game to change for yep. them to to accommodate their skills. Now, when those skills are so good and you've already changed the game and those really great skills come into the game that you've already changed and they kick your ass, yes. then suddenly you have a sort of a dilemma, it's, a mental it's backfiring existential problem. Literally, what's going on is it's backfiring on them because there's right now in Connecticut, a bunch of track athletes transgender boys mm-hmm. have went in and competed against girls destroying them they're taking all the scholarships away and now they're starting to realize oh crap this equality thing we might have messed up here yeah. you know what i'm saying because yeah. now it's getting played back on them you guys want different standards whatever cool i'm right. a guy i can't perform and beat the guys now i'm gonna start to identify as you, a woman and also and they're, with you guys. they're pulling the kids out of those those schools because it's not right. unfair yeah right right and you will never like this conversation that we're having right here you will never hear this in mainstream media hell no this you is the most based conversation you, ever. You, well that that's a given right you will never like you will go on to like say daily wire on this he's conservative like i don't know newsmax whatever you even them who have a problem with transgender athletes right yeah no, we need to ban them we need to keep them out of the you know women's sports men's sports right we need to do that and they'll talk about it from an emotional perspective as well you wouldn't think so because they're they're conservatives right they're not the wokies they're the conservative guys they never acknowledge the problem which is we're looking at objective reality and the objective reality is that women want the game to change for them so yeah. that they can play the game better remember what we always say was it a don't wish it were easier wish you were better Bang. right what women saying we want it to be easier and when <laughs> women make it easier then transgender athletes go man that looks easy. Yeah. I'm going to go over there and compete and win. Too, yeah. I'm going to be a winner over here. <laughs> yeah. So that's what they and that's what they're going to do as a result of that. You will never hear that conversation on Candace Owens on on Daily uh, on Ben Shapiro. You will they'll talk about transgender athletes and they'll go it's tor- it's terrible. It's tearing apart Americans families and blah 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 and they'll make it an ethical emotional issue. They don't look at the nuts and bolts of yeah. it. This is what's yeah. going on. Yeah. But they don't want to talk about it because if they do, they will uh, offend 
the conservative feminists, because as much as they want to cry river about, I don't identify as a feminist, you are. Again, what do we start this show on? Everybody you know, born after 1965, you've had the feminist ideology infiltrate the way that you think, your personal beliefs, to some degree. your political beliefs to some degree. Yeah. Why won't they do that? Because they don't, un- first of all, they don't understand that that's really the, the underlying, the underpinning of all of that, uh, that controversy. And if they got down, if they bored down and distilled it down to that, they would lose viewers Mm. because that would make women feel bad and we don't want that to happen (laughs) he is Rolo Tomasi critically acclaimed author Rolo where can the people find you please you can find me at therationalmail.com that is my blog Uh, you can always find me on my channel which I've just changed over to be The Rational Mail instead of Rolo Tomasi okay Uh, so you can look me up on uh, on, thank you by the way for the 100,000 subs apparently apparently you already know where the channel is Um, and then uh, you can also find me on Twitter I am uh, at Rational Mail and Rolo Tomasi at Rational Mail those are the easiest ways to get guys oh, and all my, my books are oh, all on amazon yes the links <laughs> are down below in the description both uh, all of his books are down below in the description his youtube channel all the social media guys give him a follow get mm-hmm. a book get even if you're aware of this stuff get a book and give it to your son give it to your nephew whoever it it's is it's life changing it's life changing stuff guys and get thank, on Audible. thank you guys all for the super chats that we never got to I, I apologize I can go a long time but this is I always am trying to balance being concise with being comprehensive and this is where I had to be comprehensive no absolutely and, and guys uh, I, I hope you guys don't mind for, yep. uh, that we didn't read the super chats but I know you guys are going to enjoy this when you listen to it back on a the playback they understand and uh, they love time the show. and everything will be in there thank you guys so much for the support Rolo Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. This is our try. This is our try. We got we got we got chocolate. White and right. chocolate. It's Oreos. 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 <laughs> Reverse. I tried, I tried to tan so I would look like this guy, but I, this just doesn't work. Guys, right, here's man. Rolo Tomasi, the Godfather, man. Yep. Please subscribe to his YouTube channel. We will catch you guys in a little bit. We're gonna do an after hour show. Peace. Peace.